just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal? No, no, that would be dumb. We show up ourselves. That's right. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And in this episode, we are going to find the cure for cancer. Finally. We're going to try at least. I feel like this has been irresponsible of us to have been doing the show for five years and only now we're finding the cure for cancer. We could have just taken one trip to Mexico for $100 each. And figured this shit out any time. It's kind of criminal that we haven't done it yet. But we finally did it. Cancer's done. We did it. (laughs) So we found out about these tours because of... Drew Spears. Yeah. Hero, handsome... Who you may remember from our Ouija board episode. Yes, or our Essential Oils episode Mm -hmm. where they first met him. Yeah, so Drew and I were at Lassen's, one of our favorite natural food stores. Used to be owned by a homophobe, appears not to be anymore. Not Hmm. the point anyway. We were there and Drew found a sheet that said, come to this natural cancer cures seminar thing in LA. But the day that we looked at it, it was already the second day of a three day thing. We were like, oh shoot, too late. Yeah, yeah. But then Drew came home and looked it up and he was like, you guys, this organization takes people on tours to Tijuana, Mexico, Mm -hmm. where you can visit all these different alternative cancer clinics, hear about the ways that they both prevent and supposedly treat or cure cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's only like a hundred bucks a piece. I think the way I heard about it was from you texting me and saying, you want to get on a bus to Mexico and learn about cancer cures? And you said? Yeah, of course. Of course I do. How did you know? I am Ross Balcher. So yeah, that's what we did. We both forked over a hundred dollars and well, we didn't hear back from them for a while. Like you sent in a check yeah. for the both of us and they didn't uh-huh. cash it for a long time. Long time. But this is the the Cancer Control Society. Yes, which is headquartered here in LA. They put this on. It's some guy's house. Yeah. We are pretty sure. That's yeah. his address listed. His name is Frank Cosino. Yeah. A tall willowy gentleman who is in his, I don't know, maybe 70s? Maybe 60s. Maybe 60s. I don't know. Anyways, a very older gentleman. A man very much invested in finding extra cures for cancer outside of the medical paradigm within the US. So the the whole deal is that there are a lot of alternative cancer treatments right. uh, that are banned in the U.S. Right. Because we have regulations mm-hmm. about what can and cannot be practiced, right. what meets a certain criteria for evidence. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of therapies that are not allowed here, right? but and across the border. So the reason that a particular therapy might not be allowed in the U.S. could be a number of reasons. It could be that it's not safe. It could be that it doesn't work for what it's supposed to work for. Mm-hmm. But it could also just be that it hasn't been proven to work or be safe yet. Right. It, it could conceivably be a good treatment, but we right. have this infrastructure in place. You to can't use it on it. humans until it's gone through a certain number of approved trials. observed trials. Yeah. And shown to be effective right. and safe. And so a lot of people hear this and they think, well, that's screwed up. Or they see something like Dallas Buyers Club. Did you ever see that? Yes. Yeah. Which is, of course, like a harrowing story. But then like... Get About this, like, like an underground treatment that turned out to be useful. Right. And that is the downside of having good regulations. Yeah. But the upside is that we get all this bad medicine out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes people will go across the border to try to get these treatments. And the frustration reason, is, but... yeah, understandable because cancer sucks. Yeah. Really really sucks and it's a really hard problem 
and it's a bunch of different diseases. It's not just one. And when you've kind of tried everything and you're sort of ravaged from all that and you still have it, oftentimes you're just left without any options. Right. And yeah, who can blame you for starting to think like, well, geez, maybe there's something out there that does work. It hasn't gone through all those trials yet, but I want to be part of that. Yeah. But then you get there and uh uh-oh, now you're stuck with not only that hypothetical good medicine, but also all the bullshit that is allowed because of the lack of regulation. And how are you supposed to find which way is up? And if you yourself are not a medical professional, how are you supposed to tell the difference between all of these things? Which is what you're now going to watch us do. Yeah. So we're like, hey, we're not medical professionals. (laughs) We're not medical people. We're like fairly proficient average Joes at science, but that's about it. Yeah. So please keep that in mind. Everything (laughs) we say here is from your average Joes who, you know, read a fair amount. This, I think, says something that even we are very confused looking at the subject with our very small amount of knowledge and can easily see how someone could be taken in by just the confidence and the presentation of a lot of these other modalities. Yes. And so we'll try to do our best to sum up what we've learned. But just please keep in mind, anything you hear, please pass it by a doctor or a real professional before taking it anywhere, doing anything. It really brings to light how important regulation is. Right. Because without it, you really are just floating in a sea of information. Mm-hmm. And part of what regulation does for us that we often take for granted is it just saves us time. Like you get to rely on all this huge body of medical professionals to do all this work for you, to check everything for you. Yeah. And then you can double check the work. It's always available to you through the studies, but you get to rely on the expertise of these experts. Right. And, and something important to remember, I think, at least for me, is that all of these experts are people who have loved ones with cancer. Mm. They also want the a best cure. solution. They want a cure. Yeah. It's in their best interest. It's in the interest of the people they love. Because it seems like people on the other side are always talking about, you know, what they don't want you to know about, what the government's trying to squelch. And I just, I don't buy that. I feel like, you know, this whole establishment of thousands upon thousands of medical professionals are really trying to cure this. Yeah. To make people's lives better. When we release this, it's now 2017. Hey, happy, happy new, new year. year. And I think this is the perfect time to talk about this because it looks Looks like Trump is going to be appointing someone to the FDA who's actually anti-regulatory, which is really bad news. Uh, Someone who has actually said that you should be able to sell medicine in the U.S. that hasn't been proven to work. If that happens, then we will be looking at a situation much like the situation in Mexico, where where you you don't have to prove that something works. So let's see what it looks like. Speaking of elections. Uh, I think people should know about some some good election news. <laughs> yes, yes. Raise the flag. America is not dead, everyone. <laughs> because your own Carrie Poppy was named to the Hollywood Studio District Neighborhood Council last week. She really wanted to share this with all of you. <laughs> it's true. Well, because last month I said, yeah. oh, I might be running. I did not know how quick this process would be rough. I bet people have really been waiting to find out. So Yeah, I've gotten some tweets. We congratulate you. Thank you so much. And if you live, this is a real thing I'm saying. This is not a joke. If you live in the Hollywood Studio District, if you are not coming to our monthly meetings, I take personal offense. You come to the meeting. I meet some of you on dog walks. You say, oh, I listen to your podcast. Very good. You come to the neighborhood council meeting and you sit through our three-hour boring meeting and you vote.
because it all starts at home. So that's great. But let's talk cancer cures. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what the good people came for. You're right. So yeah, we, we showed up. This was November 19th, a uh, Saturday morning. We had to be there at 7 a.m.? 7 a.m., yeah. Started bright and early at the Sheraton Hotel at the Universal Park in, what is that, Studio City? Uh, Universal City. Universal. They get their own little yep. city there. Yep. Yeah, I was there maybe like 10 minutes early, parked in the metro area and walked up the hill. It was cold and windy. And I was texting you, be like, hey, where you at? And I wasn't getting anything. I was like, uh-oh, what's yep. going on? But you were just on the metro. I was on the metro. I missed my train by like one minute. It was very annoying. So uh, then you have to wait 13 minutes for the next train. I was a little worried for a minute. Like, oh no, what if Carrie's asleep or something? Because... Oh, right. It was 7 a.m. Yeah, exactly. But no, I got there and I like, there's this really steep hill to get to that hotel. Yes. Like a ridiculous incline. good workout. Yeah. So I was like, I had to actually stop halfway up and like (gasps) catch my breath and then keep going. But I kept thinking like, they're going to leave without me. They're going to leave without me. I'm four minutes late. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I got up there and we all sat there for an extra 15 minutes yeah, at least. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, this was the beginning of a theme for the day, which was being behind on yep. time. So they were still waiting for the bus to show up, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was very easy to find. We were in the lobby and there were a bunch of other just kind of random people sitting around like, hey, you here for the cancer tour? Uh-huh. Yes, we are in very the right good. place. They gave us name tags mm-hmm. to put around our necks. I was already finding out that about a third of the people attending were registered nurses. Right, yeah, who said they were getting like extension credits kind of thing. Yeah, so here's something crummy. California offers education credits for these sorts of tours. I think California is a little too lax in what it Mm. offers credits for. In fact, this was an investigation that the Independent Investigations Group did. I remember this. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. It's really cute. I got to help out with this. Just to preface this a bit, nurses have to, every year, get a certain number of continuing education credits to renew their status as a registered nurse. So the IIG was protesting a particular program that was pseudoscientific. And so to demonstrate how easy it was to set up one of these programs, we created our own fake care unit. And we made this whole, I designed a brochure for them and it had smoke and mirrors. Like literal smoke and mirrors Yeah, we it. were like, but we were using like <laughs> vapor and reflective surfaces. And uh. like, if you read carefully, you would see like we were referring to oils derived from snakes. And <laughs> what else Cute. did we have? It was all these things that if you look closely, you should realize like, oh, this is total nonsense. Right, but, right. you know, made it look nice and put little professional graphics. And we created this group called CFI Care. Right. And, uh, because the organization that helps the IIG is called the Center for Inquiry CFI. CFI. Right. So it was the California Foundation for Institutional Care. So we submitted this with our little brochure and we made a website for it, cficare.org. And California bought it and they approved us to give continuing education credits for our feng shui class. Uh-huh. And so we did actually offer this feng shui did class. Did people come? Yeah, people oh. showed up. We did an informational lecture kind of about, about this whole process and how California needs to revise. Wow. Yeah. How did the nurses react? There, there were only a few that showed up, but they thought it was pretty cool. And they're like, wow, yeah, this is a problem. Oh, wow. Good for them. Yeah. Okay. And then they revoked our license, the <laughs> California did, yeah. the Board of Registered Nurses. But uh, after we'd made our point, 
Anyway, so that's just kind of my history there, thinking like, oh, great, this is also offering continuing education credits, this trip to Mexico. So finally, the buses showed up. We hopped on board and made our way down to Anaheim. I think we just picked up one couple there. Uh There were a few stops along the way. The whole idea was like, as we're making our way down to Mexico, there are a couple little stops where you can be picked up on the big bus. It was in San Diego that we got the other half of the bus. So then we were pretty full. There were at least 40 people on the bus. And I confess, I thought, okay, like, not very many people on this bus can have cancer, which is a totally naive thought, but hmm. just so many of them looked very healthy. I, and I wasn't really thinking about I was how, expecting more than were there. Well, later in the day, someone asked, like, who here has cancer? And a good, like, half of the people raised their hands. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, I mean, which is, again, naive because so many people walk around with cancer and, you know, look like everybody else. The but, way the event yeah. was advertised was that you can just come and be informed either about how to proceed with your personal treatment or prepare yourself for the future. Right. It said something like, learn how to prevent cancer before it strikes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, great. You know, as or, far as we know, neither of us has cancer, so we can legitimately try this. Yeah, absolutely. And both of us have history of cancer in, in our family, family that puts yeah. us at particular risk. Me for prostate cancer, certainly. Yeah, me for ovarian. My mother and grandmother and aunt and cousin have had it. Oh boy. Yeah. So yeah, so we could legitimately be looking for ourselves. Another fun thing I was doing, I had brought this 360 degree camera. It's a camera that shoots in all directions simultaneously. Uh, Ross is holding up his fist as if holding one. I thought it was important that everybody hear me <laughs> lifting my arm. I don't know. I can't help myself. No, mocking. <laughs> it was pretty cool. One thing that we found is that everywhere we went that day, they were very open to people documenting, recording, taking video, taking audio. And so I got a smattering of documentation everywhere we went, and we'll share that with you all. So check out our Facebook page. Yeah, including some 360 video. Pretty cool. Pretty neato. All right, so we took this bus all the way down to Tijuana, and on the way there, there weren't any videos or anything, but there were, I guess you'd call them some lectures by Frank? Yeah, Frank had like a little amp and a microphone, and he just loved to prattle on. Now this is a real sweet guy. Didn't yeah, get totally. any sort of bad vibe off of him. Nope. But yeah, does like to hear himself talk. And so he would just kind of talk slowly and gently, but you'd be trying to do something else, have a conversation or something like, no, oh, no, okay, we're going to talk. Oh, fluoridation is bad. Hmm. Okay, great. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh boy, this guy loves to eat peach pits. Or apricot, uh, apricot pits. pits. So I remember being into this in like 11th or 12th grade. I found out that, oh my gosh, Ross, there's a cure for cancer and it's apricot pits. Oh, you heard about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because here's how it happened. I was a big fan of the Bare Naked Ladies, still am. Mm-hmm. And in particular, a big fan of Kevin Hearn, the keyboardist and accordion player for the Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin Hearn got leukemia very seriously. And as I was sort of following his story and I was in 11th grade and deciding what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, maybe I'll go into cancer research. So I kind of got into like, well, what does cancer research look like right now? Oh, wow. What's what's on the cutting edge and stuff? So yeah, at the time, I was also looking at the alternative therapies and came across apricot seeds and everyone was just like, yeah, this is the secret cure that the government has squashed because it's free Hmm. and it would get rid of the entire pharmaceutical cancer industry if people knew about it. 
So they've banned it. And at the time, you were kind of like, ah, oh, government. Yeah, oh, totally. Jerks. We just need to go give everybody apricot seeds. We'll definitely talk about this more as we proceed throughout the day. But right. yeah, he was just announcing various other things. And got to hand it to this guy. He definitely is good at making lists and handouts. And he gave us all these big packets of papers about all these different remedies and things you can do at home and cancer treatments that you should be aware of and clinics you can go to and former sufferers who are now healed that you can talk to. And he gave their names and addresses and phone numbers. And it's just so much information. One thing that kind of reminded me of evangelical Christianity is that he kept talking about all these little things he had that you could leave in public places, leave them in the bathrooms or leave them in other places for people to find. When you're visiting a family member in the ICU... I've got all these little wallet-sized cards that you can pass out and mm. hopefully save somebody else's life. And I was thinking, ugh, it's a little obnoxious. Speaking of Frank, I looked up the 990 for this nonprofit. Frank, as far as the 990 says, is a volunteer. Hey. Yeah, it looks like everyone who works for this nonprofit doesn't pull a salary. Wow. If the 990 is accurate. He's dedicated. It did say in the notes that they didn't have an independent auditor. So okay. take from that what you will. Okay. So he told us these treatments are good for other degenerative diseases as well, not just cancer. Right. Great. Okay. The first but not the last time we heard that that day. Oh, he also then suddenly told us that we needed day visas to enter Mexico. If you already fill out your form uh, from the website, you just have it ready. And we're like, uh, weren't aware of the day visa. We have our passports. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. Won't be a problem. Yeah. And it wasn't. It yeah, was fine. He was like, I think one time one guy had a problem, but it well, it'll be fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was but detained. Yeah, was we never fine. saw him again. When we got there, we all had to pull out of the bus and bring all of our stuff. And then the bus got separately checked and we were told irradiated and we made (laughs) jokes about that. And then we went and got our little temporary visa forms and went through the metal detectors. But all in all, it felt a lot less stringent than getting through the airport. I really liked, though, that he said, be sure to take all your stuff off because the bus is going to be irradiated, like (laughs) suggesting that our like bags are going to hold the radiation somehow. (laughs) Right. But also then... We go through metal detectors and then send our stuff through an (laughs) x-ray. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I don't know why this is better, but okay. He recommended a cookbook called The Little Cyanide Cookbook. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a list of many recommended reading titles, I wanted to promise to scan all these things for our listeners, but there is so much. There's so much. It's way too much. You don't want to look at all this. No. It's too much. We'll, We'll scan some select things for you. There was one handout about the cruelty of factory farming, and I was like, hey, this is nice. I don't see how this ties in, but... Factory farming is indeed cruel. Sometimes there are even multiple copies of the handouts, too. Further down, it was just sort of like, and by the way, then the animals absorb the cruelty, and the cruelty becomes whatever, and then you, and then it turns into cancer. You don't cancer, want to eat was the like, cruelty. No, <laughs> what? That's not how anything works. <laughs> so we've already got some pretty solid pseudoscientific thinking here. Please use fluoride, people. Uh, Yes. Oh, yeah. Speaking of fluoride, he said, there's no evidence that fluoride works. It can sometimes help a single tooth. Save one tooth. (laughs) Like, wait, what? what? Which one is it? Every now and then, Frank would just say something. You'd be like, I don't know if you thought that through. (laughs) Oh, he also had, (laughs) I feel bad that I'm like picking on him because I actually really liked him. But he had my personal pet peeve in (laughs) people's linguistic tics. Did I tell you this? Mm -mm. This is a thing that annoys me to no end. When people say, and again, and then say something (laughs) they've never said before. (laughs) 
<laughs> that would annoy you, wouldn't it? Oh my god, I can't handle it. <laughs> and he did it like every other sentence. He'd be like, and again, the bus takes off at eight. Like, but you haven't told us before that the bus took off at eight. Why are you saying again? But Ross, we were not the only journalists on the bus. That's true. There was an Italian TV channel, RAI. Which apparently is their public TV. Frank said that they have done something in the past on cancer and that it was, he said it was very even-handed. So he seemed right. to even be acknowledging that they kind of covered both sides. Right. But he felt they did a good job and he was happy to have them along. So yeah. it was two guys with cameras. They also gave us what he called the green sheet, which had U.S. and Mexico treatments and practitioners who use non-toxic therapies. Ooh. A single sheet of people in the U.S. who treat cancer without killing you. Toxins are bad. They also gave us juice and a very large muffin. Yeah, it was so much sugar. For a place that's anti-cancer and mm -hmm. you know how much talk there is about sugar and cancer in these circles, mm. they sure gave out a lot of sugar. Good point. He told us mammograms are useless. Oh, and he was even saying that the radiation in a mammogram can potentially cause cancer. Right. Not true. He said it's very, very high radiation and it can actually give you breast cancer. So I came home and I looked that up. First of all, he said it can only find advanced cancers. He was saying, yeah, by the time that it discovers the tumor, right. the, it's too the it's too late. Um, but according to the National Cancer Institute, the opposite's true. So sometimes it finds benign, non-invasive tumors because mm. it's so precise. Gotcha. But most importantly, it prevents 17% of breast cancer deaths that would otherwise not be prevented without this screening. Oh, wow. Which is the ultimate question, right? I remember the, the big controversy recently was about at which age you should actually right. start So now it's recommended screening. that you don't get it till 45 and then you get it every two years instead of every year. And the radiation you get in a mammogram is 0.4 millisieverts. Mm -hmm. And to put that in perspective, you're getting this mammogram every two years after you're 45. And in that same amount of time, you'll absorb 15 times as much radiation and background radiation from the Big Bang. Wow. So we're talking about, yeah, a very small amount. You know, anytime anybody talks about radiation and dangers from certain things, I recommend everybody go to xkcd.com slash radiation. Okay. The brilliant Randall Monroe who does XKCD, awesome comic, you've all seen it with the stick figures and everything, is excellent at explaining things. And he created this chart that shows various things that you hear about on a regular basis related to radiation, including like, you know, eating a banana or something. Oh, okay. and, and it just shows it in terms of what it does to you. So going through the Van Allen belt or, you know, uh, right. standing at Chernobyl or, you know, those okay. kinds of things. And it's just really helpful to put it all in perspective. Nice. So yeah, I mean, this already sort of makes you doubt the narrator. Mm -hmm. He quoted uh, Dr. Oz at one point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. We're... Using Dr. Oz as a reference. Yeah, Dr. Oz, uh, notable quack. Okay, so the Cancer Control Society was founded in 1973. That's right. Frank said it split off from another group that was founded in 1963. So they yeah. had 10 good years. And they're, then... No, they're affiliated with them. I think it's just oh, okay. like the local chapter. If you oh, know. okay. Yeah, because they did have some addresses in Sacramento. So maybe that's the affiliated group. So Frank took his mother to one of these clinics in 1973. So oh. that, I think, was kind of the impetus of I must have fallen asleep group. between him talking about the founding and him telling that and story. Like again, and you were like, "Oh, well, if it's again, I've already heard this story, and I can go to sleep." But actually, Ross, it was new information. Carry <laughs> <laughs> so mad. Okay, so at this point, he starts to tell us 
how to eat apricot seeds, the cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. Here's what you do, Ross. You chew one at a time. That's hard. The center of an apricot. Mm -hmm. I think you bust it open. Okay. So I used to have an apricot tree in the backyard. I ate many, many apricots, but I never did anything with the seed other than toss it out. Yeah, because you'd break your teeth wide open. Right. Okay. But I crushed this thing open. I think you crush it. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think he mentioned how you get in there. Blunt force or walnut cracker or something. You eat one at a time. Now, reminder, these are full of cyanide. Like, this is why the government doesn't let you just sell them willy-nilly is because... Well, you can buy all the apricots you want. You can buy all the apricots you want. That's true. But I guess like... Nothing to stop me from accumulating apricots and grinding them up. Yeah. But I guess if you just sell the seeds themselves, maybe you have to have like a botanical license or something. Wow. I know the same thing is true of bitter almonds, which also contains cyanide. You can only sell them in certain amounts unless you have a botanical license because... You can poison someone with them. So, yeah. So you eat them one at a time. And then he says, if you eat as many as you should, oh, your yeah. body will tell you with lightheadedness <laughs> or a queasy stomach. And just stop that. I must have woken up for that part. I remember him saying, you might get lightheaded, but you shouldn't get queasy. But your body will tell you when to stop. Yeah. I'll tell you, you when to stop now. Stop <laughs> it. What are you doing? <laughs> Again, stop it. But the idea is that the cyanide will attack the bad cells in your body. Yeah, so... How does it know to attack the bad ones and not the good ones? Well, hey, I mean, same could be said of radiation and chemo, right? They do attack good and bad. Mm -hmm. So fair enough. And actually, I looked into the science on this after I came home. And the National Cancer Institute says about apricot seeds, which is also known as B17, which is also known as laetrile, which is also known as amygdalin. Oh, good. <laughs> Why? Why? They said the side effects are like the symptoms of cyanide poisoning. They contain cyanide, so it's not approved by the USDA. The meta-analyses of the studies have shown mixed results, but there are some that showed minor improvements in tumor reduction. But there are no human clinical trials except for too long ago that had no control group. So there's no good science to back this up at this point. Okay. But it's not like pure pseudoscience. It's like not there out is of a nowhere. mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Could um, potentially do something. Some case studies show it can help after chemotherapy and radiation, but not by itself. Okay. It's a Band-Aid therapy. Supplemental at best. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's something to that, but if you oversell it as like the cure, it's not going to get you that far. It's not going to cure your goddamn cancer. So our bus took us to our first stop in Tijuana, which was the International BioCare Hospital and Wellness Center, a.k.a. the IBC. The IBC. Not to be confused with IBC root beer, which is good. Ah, yeah. I was trying to think of what that reminded me of, but I think it's just reminding me of IBS. Oh, irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. So they fed us a little bit. Oh, I was so hungry. Both of us were like, uh, tummies rumbling, because it was after noon already. Yeah. And we'd had our snack, but that really wasn't sustenance. So they gave us a very small styrofoam bowl with salad, arugula salad. Uh-huh. Had corn and... Some black beans. I took photos barely. of all of our food, so you'll get to see what we ate. <laughs> it was a good salad. I there liked were apples. So I grabbed an apple because I needed all I could get. And they had hibiscus tea. And I thought that we were about to have lunch soon. So I thought, oh, okay, this is just like a little snack. That's what they said. It said, oh, yeah. this is your snack. Cool. So yeah. we ate that. 
And so a man in a white lab coat came up and uh, introduced himself as Dr. Javier Vasquez. He is the senior physician at IBC Hospital. He's been around since the 90s, and he was our main presenter for the day. So he let us know that the IBC was founded in 1976, though another brochure we looked at said 1982, but maybe that's just when they started with their current regimen of yeah cancer modalities right he said that there they focus on prevention instead of just treatment right first do no harm and love our patients all right he said that's their guiding principle sounds good and that they focus on diet nutrition and supplements body detoxification organic diet immune supportive therapies and he made a claim about restoring lungs livers and kidneys to 100 percent wow that sounded like oh yeah reset your body computer he said oh interesting okay He was the first person who mentioned whole body hyperthermia, which we would hear about throughout the day. Hyperthermia. Yeah, not hypothermia. That's when you're cold. Yeah. This is when you're hot. Right. (laughs) That's right. Very good. Think about those little molecules. They're hyper. Yeah. Just like when you have a fever, the theory here is you're heating up your body. The heat becomes sort of an inhospitable environment for your cancer cells or your invading pathogen Yeah. And you get rid of it. And as we were walking through this facility, uh, we got to briefly look at their little exercise rooms and the actual beds where people would stay as we were walking to this kind of dining room area where we did the Q&A. And I don't know what I expected, but I felt like I was really invading their space. Yeah, that's true. It was a very kind of small building. It's just in the middle of like this residential area, really. Uh It was kind of strange, just oddly located. It was like on this city block, essentially. And as we were walking past one room, we saw what's kind of like this nicer modern version of like an iron lung that used uh-huh. to put polio sufferers inside of so you'd see somebody with their head sticking out the end of this uh, long cylindrical tube where they heat the body up to 106 degrees mm-hmm. which is pretty hot you know yeah. if you've got 106 degrees you've got a bad fever yeah so your your head doesn't get that but the rest of your body they'll heat up to that he kept saying the word prodigals did you oh, remember I that oh i don't remember that no. and i was so confused and i think he said one of the prodigals we're using is whole body hypo... Oh, protocols. Protocols. The way he said it always sounded like prodigals. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sure. Now that makes sense. <laughs> and he said that they would do this for five hours. That's a long oh, time. Oh, man. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, five hours of being in 100-something degree heat. It's good for metastatic disease where you can no longer attack... Uh, with surgery or chemotherapy. So I guess the idea is that there's no tumors or large centers that they can pull out. It's just kind of moved all throughout the body. Right. That's when you then want to heat up the body and all the normal cells should actually survive pretty well. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the cancer cells will be targeted and die. Right. And uh, turns out, what's the verdict on that, Miss Carrie Poppy? Well, I looked up that one too. Ross, is it? My name's Ross. Yeah. So this is another one where the science is just not totally in. So it's under study in clinical trials in the US. In a combination with radiation and chemo, it does seem to show a reduction in tumor size, but that's not the case in all the studies. So that's why it's still being investigated. Basically, the science needs to be completed on this one. And that's why we have a regulatory system to do that. So possibly promising. But if you're just not ready to wait, you can go down to Tijuana. That's true. And uh, then he also talked about stem cell therapy. So the idea is that they pull out some of your blood or, or they go into your bone marrow and they produce stem cells. So these are undifferentiated cells from your own body that can then become any other cell. That's the idea anyhow. Presumably, then they are 
uh, putting it back into your body with IV or localized application. And those stem cells are supposed to magically take on good cells. The worry being they're stem cells. Can't they just become anything? And I think there's legitimate uses of stem cell therapy, but it seems right. like there's an abundance of practitioners around the world who are very ready to say, hey, buzzword, stem cells, we're going to put this somewhere in your body. It'll miraculously heal you. Right. And they don't know what they're doing. It seems like the applications for stem cell therapy, and again, this is just for me trying to research this as a layman. Right, right. Yes. Um, Please remember the source. Yeah. It seems like the legitimate applications for it are really just if you have bone marrow cancer or leukemia. I didn't really find any other place that stem cell therapy is used legitimately. But okay. I mean, maybe it's used in other places too. I don't know. That's the problem. That's why we need smart people to figure this stuff out for us. Definitely no question that there's a lot of potential in stem cells to do a lot for right. the body. But yeah, is this particular clinic in Tijuana going to use them to rid you of cancer? That's another question. Right. So just pulling back for a second, imagine if we didn't have the regulatory system, if it were like it is in Mexico... You don't know when you walk into this clinic, you don't know that you're getting something that's like might work, might not, you know? I mean, if you want to bet on that, that's fine, mm -hmm. but you don't know that and it's in a clinic right next to a real, a clinic doing real medicine that's been proven and because there's no regulatory system, you can't tell the difference between the two. Yeah, and this guy in the white lab coat seems fairly sanguine that it will all work for you. Right. This is why we have regulation, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> then he talked about their dendritic cell vaccine program. Uh, it also goes by immunotherapy. Uh -huh. And this is another modality that seems to have potential promise, but again is alternative. The running line is what do you call alternative medicine that's been proven to work? Medicine. That's right. So this is still in that kind of alternative phase. But the idea is that cancer cells will have protein coverings or proteins in their cell membranes that are recognizable, that can be used as kind of a key. And so what they'll do is they'll pull out some of your cancer cells and then they'll program a vaccine or T cells or something that will uh, go in and use that signature to kind of lock on to the cancer cells, identify them. Because that's the difficulty is, you know, how do you isolate cancer cells apart from all the other cells? So the idea is that it can then lock onto those specifically and then deliver something to kill them or prevent them from receiving nutrition or do something to somehow kill them. Because the whole idea of cancer is that you have a bunch of cells that are not dying like they're supposed to. Right. So the rogue. So it's a good idea. Yeah, sounds great if it'll work. But can they do it in this cancer clinic in Tijuana? Maybe not. Oh, uh, did I mean, is that effective? Has that worked? From everything I could see, it was just one of those things that's still going through trials okay. and they're trying to figure out how to control it best. And there were different varieties of it, ways to achieve that effect. It's kind of starting to feel like you can wait for these trials to be performed on other people or you can pay to have the trials performed on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I guess my question would be, how well are those trials being run and will that be recorded and used in such a way right. that it could... You're right. I'm using trial very loosely. Promote medical science. You're right. No, 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 for sure. I mean, and I'm saying this as someone who's constantly getting things tried on herself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Us with our sample sizes of two. Right. Okay. Can't stress enough, people. We're just podcasters. We're please, just podcasters. Please talk to a doctor about serious <laughs> issues in your life. Go to Sawbones. If yeah, you know that kind listen of to Sawbones. 
<laughs> and even they give you a disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> so they give you all organic meals in this program. They said they're not against conventional programs, mm-hmm. but they say- That was interesting. We're just encouraging you not to just get chemo surgery or radiation alone, mm-hmm. that this is going to be adjunct therapy. Uh, they said that a large percentage of people come after they've already had chemo, and this is maybe just to help with their recovery or ensure that it stays away or as a supplement. Uh, one of the questions I asked during Q&A was just how many people come from other countries. And I think they said about two-thirds of their clientele is from the U.S. Uh-huh. And then a lot of people from other countries as well, a lot of Northern Europe. and I know there was a guy there getting treatment, like sitting there with his IV, who is from New Zealand. Uh, here's an interesting thing the doctor said. 75% of the patients come with a diagnosis already. Right. And I was like, whoa, 25% don't. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of incredible. Where they just have a hunch that, oh, maybe, maybe I, I have, have something. I don't know. I mean, or they have like such a big tumor that they can't ignore it anymore. Mm, right. And they yeah. said that they'll do blood work and other things to try to figure out what ails right. you. But usually they'll they'll want to get all your prior medical uh, information. Uh, a big thing I think that set this clinic apart from the others that we saw that day was that they made a big deal about treating other chronic conditions. Yes. Uh, so he mentioned lupus, Lyme disease, candida arthritis, diabetes, high blood pressure, chronic fatigue syndrome, hepatitis C, MS, Crohn's, and then the various cancers. But yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. That's pretty bold. He listed a bunch of cancer types they treat. And then the top ones he mentioned were lung, prostate, and brain. I guess that's those are the ones that they get the most of. Hmm. I know lung cancer is one of the biggest killers. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentioned uh, that the whole program is based on an organic diet. That is their starting point and foundation. Uh, But then on top of that, there's all these vitamins that are important. And it sounded like uh, they're really insistent on using a lot of vitamin C. He mentioned a few other things. I couldn't quite pick up what he was saying at that moment. Yeah. He also said the reason they have such good success is because each treatment is tailored to each patient. And I thought... I should hope so. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, that's what every doctor does. Sure. Uh, yeah, and that was a recurring theme throughout the day, but definitely, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we customize it to you and your needs. Right. Uh, I mean, God, yes, please. All <laughs> right. Uh, vitamin B17 was something he mentioned, which, right. as Carrie has told you, is also known as many other things. Right. Uh, but it's uh, from the, the peach pits or apricot pits. They do um, coffee enemas there. Yes. And they do a low-dose chemo along with your hyperthermia sometimes. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. So that's this IPT or insulin potentiation therapy is that you use traditional chemotherapy, but at a very low dose, like 10, 25 percent of what you normally would. The the difference is that you're also using insulin and that's supposed to open up chemical pathways to kind of help that chemotherapy more easily travel through the cells, but then be less dangerous, essentially. That seems to kind of work, but then there's the risk of hypoglycemia and uh, and I guess usually- Oh, because of the insulin. Right, right, exactly. And so then normally like after they use that, then they have to put a bunch of sugar water in your system oh, to man. help kind of stop the effect effects of the insulin. Okay. And then also it's been known to cause drug resistance. So like if it Ugh. doesn't doesn't work then future treatments of Ooh. other types aren't as effective. Yeah. Yikes. So, okay. So again, uh, sounds a little, but potentially like it would have a mechanistic way of working. So again, it's one of those ones that's kind of borderline, but hasn't passed through enough right. trials or tests to be deemed actually useful. 
or useless. Right, right. With some potential harmful side effects. Again, depending on your situation, who you are. He also mentioned chelation therapy for high cholesterol. Yeah, what was that? What? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, he mentioned heavy metals, which is what, you know, chelation is actually used for in very rare situations where you've been exposed to toxic metals. Yeah, like you've like sucked mercury. on lead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Mercury or lead poisoning in particular. But yeah, then he was saying that, oh, we also use chelation to clear out like the plaque from your arteries. And I was like, yeah, what? Come again? He said coffee enemas stimulate the liver and help toxins out through the colon, but it must be organic coffee, Ross. It must be organic. Must be organic. Now, coffee enemas. Actually, we've gotten a few requests to do on coffee enemas, I think. So coffee enemas are kind of making a comeback, or maybe they're making their first come to. I don't know. But they're this sort of faddish home treatment to detoxify your system by Hmm. pushing coffee through your butt. (laughs) And you were finding that people were endangering themselves. Yeah. Burning their rectum. Yeah. I went to look at what studies had been performed and there were just several case studies, which means a doctor or some kind of clinician has said like, hey, I just want to codify in the literature that this particular instance happened. It's not a study, right? It's just like a particular incident. But there were several of these saying like, my client burned her anus doing a coffee enema. (laughs) Just terrible. Just And all for what? All for what, Ross? I looked at uh, Science-Based Medicine, which is um, a website by uh, Stephen Novella. And others. Yeah, and his colleagues that's all about looking at- A great resource. Yeah, and it's all about looking at these medical claims and seeing if they're scientific or not. They had a little info page about coffee enemas. They said- it's uh, It comes from this unfounded treatment called the Gerson treatment, which we heard a few times yes. that day. And they said the Gerson treatment's been found to be completely useless in treating cancer. People claim that coffee enemas stimulate the liver and the gallbladder, but there's no evidence for that. Okay, so you've heard it from actual medical professionals. Don't do that. So yeah, so this place has 26 beds. It's a three-week program. They yeah. said, <laughs> I love this. The success ratio varies patient to patient. Now, that's not how a ratio works, Yeah, Ross. people people asked uh, for a success ratio, and of course, no numbers were given. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons that it was two to three weeks was that they said uh, that dendritic cell vaccine therapy, the immunotherapy we're talking about where you tie onto the antigens, the protein signatures of that cell, that takes time to generate. And so it takes them two to three weeks to develop this custom vaccine just for you based on your own blood cells, apparently. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, everything else they do to you, they just kind of hit you with for three weeks and they teach you how to eat this organic diet. And then they send you off on your own. And how much does that set you back? $27,000. Pretty penny. Uh, but, you know, medical treatments in general are expensive. Yeah. But you're paying out of pocket because your insurance company is not, not going to have it. for it, Mm-mm. no. And 50% of the patients don't go the conventional route at all. So this oh, is all they're doing to treat it. Really? Yeah. And then he said, but others, the other half, have usually gone through a conventional program that failed. Oh, wow. Okay. When we're talking about these treatments that seem to only work in conjunction with chemo and radiation, you've got a problem. Your danger rating just went up. Yeah. He did say the preventative and maintenance programs are less expensive. Okay. Oh, I like this little phrase he used. He said the hyperthermia creates an adverse environment to cancer cells and the cancer cells 
exposed to heat, explode like popcorn in a microwave. Oh, yeah. He was a popcorn in a microwave guy. <laughs> Great visual. Oh, and they do their, their hyperthermia there. They do it transrectally. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they were saying that there are different ways to kind of heat up your body. Yeah. And I guess they uh, put something up your butt. Yeah. That'll warm you up. Warm water. Pretty quickly. Warm water up the old butt butt. Um, so one woman was there with stage four breast cancer. Oh, yeah. And she's very young. Like, I would guess 30. 31, she said. Oh, 31. Okay. And she asked if they have success with stage four. So she was, because she was stage Yeah, four. breast cancer. And we heard her later tell the Italian film crew that she had already had like a double mastectomy. Yeah. Duh. And that her ribs were hurting. Like it had clearly metastasized yeah. quite a bit. Lovely young lady with a real fire. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I liked her. Wearing like a really sweet party dress. She said now she just dresses up every day because she doesn't know how long she'll live. Yeah, she's been through so much and done all of the traditional medical treatments available legitimately. Yeah. And she's in that situation where... She's young and dying and yeah. and just needs to find something else. Yeah, she really broke my heart. Um, so Eva asked about success with stage four, and he said, you won't see a cure, but often a conventional doctor will tell someone that you have six months, and when they come here, they'll live three to five years with a good quality of life. Okay. Making a claim of extending your life, at least. Yeah, then we had a, a lengthy Q&A. They let us use their Wi-Fi for a bit. And as soon as I started, I finally got some guy to put in the Wi-Fi password for me. He didn't want me to see it for some reason. Like I'm going to- Wait, Wi-Fi? But Ross, we were told Wi-Fi causes cancer. <laughs> Why is there Wi-Fi all over this facility? It's so funny. People worried about that. You are all constantly being irradiated by everything. You have so many signals coursing through your body at every second, not to mention neutrinos and space radiation. There's so much radiation going through you at all times, and it's okay. But they said that it does, and why is it at this cancer clinic? I mean, certainly direct radiation from the sun and other sources right, can harm you. Don't I, sit in I a microwave. I didn't mean to overstate that, but just in your general day-to-day -day life, we're all being bombarded by radiation, you know why? and it's okay. You know why? Why? regulation <laughs> you're right yeah that really is why but yeah. you could make a machine you can make dangerous machines that have too much radiation but you know what you can't sell them here because of regulation yes so regulation has stepped regulation in. is good it, no i agree you know what's not good deregulation <laughs> that's true but also donald trump <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's a reason you can pick up a radio signal from pretty much anywhere or TV signals because all of those signals are constantly going through. You stop worrying about it. It's yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I finally get the Wi-Fi password and I'm on the web and looking up some important things. And then Jesse comes over to me. Not Jesse Thorne. No, Jesse Thorne. <laughs> are you getting treated here? No, it's just what I do. So this was Jesse... Very sweet guy, said that he does healing and energy work with vets who have PTSD. He engaged me and said, you know, I just wanted to say I, I really like your energy. Like you just have such Aww. a bright and kind aura. It's like, oh, well, well, thank you. And so then, you know, going back to my phone. Oh, no. Oh, we're still talking. And so he wanted to tell me about these other modalities and all the work that he does with the vets. And I'm thinking like, I have like two minutes before we go on the bus. And this is my only. Oh, no. OK, we're going to talk now. And I can't be like, excuse me. I, you know, kind of want to look at my phone now because he just told me what a wonderful aura I have. Right. And we can't. The Wi-Fi is the only time we can use our phones because in Mexico, all our data is not working. But we got back on the bus. Did we whisk away quickly? No, we did not. Oh, no, sir. <laughs> because oh, God. We, we couldn't turn the corner right in front of the IBC. 
because again, it was like this little residential block. And so as we go to turn right in this gigantic bus, and I'm saying I have so much respect for bus drivers, I couldn't do it. It just would no freak kidding. me out to drive that gigantic thing and make turns and yeah. not hit things. Because we're already seeing like he's just, you know, like inches from yes. hitting cars and scraping them all up. And so then he stops and kind of corrects and realizes that he's just stuck there. And so he gets out and we've got people like coming from the clinic and everybody's like trying to find drivers and get them to get their cars out of the way so we can like straighten up and get down this one street and it took uh, 20 minutes i think is a yeah. fair estimate and we're we're trying to turn like make a right hand turn past this just tiny little street and oh man and th- there was this one car that was parked too far from the curb and the driver wasn't there that's what was really holding everything up yeah but but picture this you guys this bus holds what, like 60 people, 70 people? Mm-hmm. Probably 60 is a fair, fair amount. Yeah. And it's like one of those big tour buses with like a bathroom in it. It's oh, yeah. huge. Carrie likes the print on the back of the seats. Oh, that's right. Stylish. Yeah. yeah. It had pretty cool like 60s kind of like art deco print. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> there was a moment where I was just like, you're going to have to pick another way. Like you're not going to be able to get through this. They and kept then, telling us that it had a chemical toilet. They were very proud of this. Chemical oh, I don't think toilet. they were proud. I think it was a warning. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I just felt because they kept reiterating that. I guess before they used to have a water-based toilet and then they couldn't use that anymore for whatever reason. So they were like, there is a bathroom here, but it's a chemical toilet. Well, we never think, used it. Yeah. Yeah, we held it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a warning. Like, if you don't want to be around chemicals, just know, like, empty your bladder and bowels when we stop because there's chemicals in the back of the bus. So we're already behind schedule by a lot. And <laughs> we haven't eaten except for this little snack. And we're really hungry. Right. And so then we make our way to the next clinic, which is the Hospital Angeles. Yes. Which we drive up to and it's like, oh, this is like a hospital. Yeah, like a real hospital. Yeah, this is a legitimate hospital. Yeah, and that's that's what it looks like. Yeah, and it's more in like a business district and looks real fancy. We walk in there and uh, wait in the lobby and they they bring someone to take us up to this auditorium, a really nice looking auditorium. And we're all, oh, wow, fancy. Okay. Mm -hmm. The two guys from the hospital come. And again, Frank does a long introduction. Gotta do it. Haven't heard enough from Frank. The introduction probably starts with, again, this is the doctor (laughs) you've never heard of. There was a guy like in in a trench coat with a suit underneath and he gave us kind of an introduction to the business itself. Hospital Ángeles is, there's 28 of them across Latin America. It's the largest private medical group in Mexico. And what I loved, it is the most important company. (laughs) And then he said, I just learned this. Yeah, I just learned that it's the most important company in Latin America. And And then someone questioned Yeah, other people in the audience are like, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was really proud. I was like, way to go, guys. What makes it the most important? What (laughs) the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Also, what do you mean you just learned that? And they just kind of rephrased it in slightly different language. Like, no, no, this is really influential. And, you right. know, it's listed as a, as a business really high up. Yeah. Yeah, that still doesn't yeah, tell yeah, me yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So that was all introduction for Dr. Ariel Perez. And uh, so he came up and Carrie was in love. <laughs> No, I'm in love with Drew Spears. Right, but you were but you were in like my backup plan. Yeah. but that was not at his introduction. That that's was after true. He had spoken he for had, a while. That's true. He had to earn our respect because yeah, yeah I, he came up. He had a brown suit and kind of a reddish brown tie. He had uh, long wavy hair and just enough facial hair to like be an almost beard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And so he started uh, first taking questions from the audience. So he said, oh, well, I'm a, a doctor and want to tell you more about this program. And, and he was just using all this language that was kind of saying things without actually saying anything. Uh-huh. And I was like really getting turned off to this guy because then he turned to the audience and said, okay, well, I want to hear your questions first uh, and I'll just collect them all and then I'll answer them. And oh, yeah. So he went around and, and so you you asked a question. He said, OK, so you're asking about particular therapies. Gotcha. OK, next. And then someone else would say something. And he'd sort of like, again, drill down their question to one word and then point somewhere else in the audience. Right. And then the lady next to me was getting irritated. And she said, like, well, we'll have a lot of questions once you tell us about your program. So why don't you get started? <laughs> and he said, no, no, I'm just trying to collect information. And I was thinking, like, OK, this guy is really evasive and kind of blustering. Yeah. And like, oh, it, this is. It did seem like a weird way to start. This is going to get old. Yeah, so I was already not trusting this guy. Yeah. But then, finally, he'd gotten enough questions. He said, okay, so let's talk about this. And he just went off into this kind of lecture. Uh, but that it was, was great. dense and informative and actually, like, really well considered. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's when then Carrie decided that he could be her backup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was a conventional MD. He said he had seen some things that worked, but he'd also seen what he calls the Suzanne Summers subculture of generalizing <laughs> cancer treatments. So, yeah, this idea that people try to take control of their cancer on their own right. and kind of will take anything that's thrown at them. Right. As long as it says it's an alternative cancer treatment, try it at their home. And he was very clear, like off the bat, no one has the cure for cancer. We're all trying to figure this out. It's incredibly complicated and it changes from person to person. That's why it's so difficult. Right. Because something will work for somebody, but not for the next person. And if one person has breast cancer, that's not like somebody else's breast cancer. And he said, the only tool we have is science. Anything we do needs to be informed by science. So we're like, okay, you're talking the talk, dude. Yeah. And then he was saying, we shouldn't have any different data than traditional clinical medicine that we're working with. And right. so there are things that work and there are things that don't work. And he said all the treatments we use are evidence-backed. And so the important thing for us is to make sure that all of our patients know what options are available and that they can make their decisions. And we really work to customize the treatment to them. So, right. so far, it's sounding great. Sure. So he said, at first, his colleagues didn't want change. There was skepticism, but they started treating patients with the most extreme cases, and they saw some success. So what he wanted to do was to start this second wing of the hospital that was for these people who have concerns about so-called conventional medicine or right. who just want to add this complementary medicine on top of their existing treatments. Right. And he, and he was basically like, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, if that's what you want, I'll give you the most workable version of that. Right. So he had no problem having his patients get chemotherapy. Right. But also the reverse. Like, mm-hmm. if you really want Laetrile, even though that's kind of on yeah. the bubble as far as it works, yeah, whether he it works. even explicitly said, like, well, I do believe in the placebo effect, and Laetrile's right. not going to hurt you. I really don't believe it's going to do anything. But if you believe in it that much, it's I feel it's, it's not going to harm you, so it's okay for uh, you to take it. In that. these controlled amounts that I'm going to give you, it's fine. So, yeah. sure. I really felt like, wow, this is the most responsible way to still meet this want mm-hmm. and do it responsibly. And and he was also saying that you shouldn't trust people who have their own patented treatment 
because we'll meet later in the day. I know. So he kind of was inoculating us against what we had just heard and what we were about to hear. But yeah, he was saying someone's just got their own patented treatment and they're the only ones who offer it. You should be incredibly suspicious of that uh, because if I had a cure, I would share it with everybody Mm -hmm. uh, if it was actually working. I'd want real data behind it. And uh, interestingly enough, we found out reading later that insulin potentiation therapy was developed by someone there at the Hospital Ángeles, but he is legally allowed to teach it to others and, you know, he's not the only one. So that was not a contradiction. But yeah, we were kind of digging this guy. And he he said also we shouldn't at all use the word cure with cancer Uh because even when people have cancer go into remission, the word we should use, sometimes it comes back because, again, we understand so little about it. And he was saying that tumors aren't the disease itself. You can remove a tumor and... Cancer will come back. Cancer is a a disease, and tumors are just one manifestation of that. Right. One point he made that I thought was great is that he was answering someone's question, and I don't remember the question, but his response was, there is this idea that some people think the government wants to cover up the cure for cancer because, oh, then like the racket will be over, right? Right. But that's not true because if you think about it, even if... Big picture, even if you cured cancer and that's it, you mm-hmm. have the cure, people will still get cancer because you haven't figured out the cause. So you still get to spend all this money on the cure mm-hmm. and people will still come to you for it because you haven't figured out why they got it it's in the first place. It's in everybody's best interest to find the cure for cancer. Yeah, so he kind of cast those conspiracy theories aside. Yeah. One of the big problems with cancer is that often cancer will just go into remission. And right. that can fuel a lot of false conclusions about what's working and what isn't. So someone will be using something like you know coffee enemas and say the cancer just happens to go into remission. Then the correlation becomes in their minds a causation. Oh, hey, look, see, I'm fine. So that just makes it all the harder to track. Yeah. He mentioned that they have organic food, kind of said that's not really a big deal. But he did say the rest of the hospital, the nutrition is shameful. He said like- Oh, really? That if you go to to the rest of the hospital, just they don't even consider nutrition, Mm. which I think I can get on board with. I do think conventional medicine does tend to- not spend much time with prevention and nutrition Mm. in general. Okay. He was also referring to uh, various toxins that they had to look at. I don't know if he used the word toxins, but he even mentioned like... He said toxicity. Okay. He mentioned like uh, Vietnam vets who come in, they've been exposed to Agent Orange. Right. Um, That's a real toxin. Yeah, that's true. That's a carry-approved use of the word toxin. But do you think it would actually stay in someone's body? Would it bioaccumulate over, you know, 40 years and still be there? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm not a doctor, so. That was one when he mentioned Agent Orange. I thought, really? Would that still be an issue? But maybe it would. We're going to have to talk to a real doctor. The, The woman next to me who had asked him to kind of move along... She was leaning over to me at this point where you and I were both like, hey, cool, this guy's actually making sense. And she's like, oh, I'm so tired of this lecture. I wish she'd stop lecturing us about oh, cancer wow. and just answer our questions and tell us about their program. That's so funny. How, Can't like, please you think everybody. You're all, yeah, but it's so funny when you think you're all having the same experience and then you're <laughs> like, oh, no, okay. We're not at all. And if I have someone next to me espousing like a certain opinion, there's then a partition of my mind that is running their thought right, process. Right, right, so right. now I'm like, hmm, yeah, you are lecturing. You're that's, long-winded. That's true. You're <laughs> you're kind of rephrasing things. And he would always do like a, 
here's my bullet points. And then he'd expound on those. And then he'd like, now I'm summing this up again. Oh, uh-huh. And he's clearly one of those people where you could say, hey, I need you to talk to this group for uh, for 10 minutes. Can you do that? And he'd be like, cool. And he'd go talk for 10 minutes. He'd be like, hey, I need you to talk to this group for like two hours and 20 minutes. And he'd be like, cool. And he'd just go for uh-huh. two hours and 20 minutes. I feel like he could yeah. fill the air. Yeah, 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 for sure. Endlessly. Yeah, but yeah, he had these great sound bites. Like he said, there's no guru of cancer that will never exist. Right. Um, every success comes from a combination of many factors, not in the hands of any particular physician. Mm-hmm. Just like really great ways of thinking about this stuff. He talked about immunotherapy again, that modality that was developed by one of the doctors there at that hospital, and said that it takes six to 10 days after they initially get you in. It takes six to 10 days just to develop it so they can use it on you. Even if you use that, you can't tackle a tumor with that immediately. Said so it's unrealistic to think that three weeks is going to be enough time for us to really complete your entire treatment. Which was a funny thing to say after the last place where they had specifically three weeks, said it's three weeks. $27,000. Exactly. <laughs> and he called that quackery. He said if, it, if they say two to three weeks, it's quackery. <laughs> he did talk a lot about transfer factors, which from a very uh, quick look on my part, that doesn't seem to be proven for use in cancer. Mm-hmm. Ozone, that was another treatment that he talked about. And he was very quick to say there's a lot of other quacks out there who say, oh, we're going to treat you with ozone. It's going to help with your cancer. And it's just it's more oxygen. He said, no, it's ozone. There's three oxygen atoms and it's a totally different molecule. It doesn't behave like oxygen at all. And it's actually dangerous to the body. So you use it in very tiny amounts. Uh, But he felt that it could be helpful. Again, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, he actually said that's not an alternative therapy. He also recommended vitamin C, uh, 25 to 50 milligrams a day, and said that uh, said that you could vastly overdo that. But he did say, if I told you it would attack cancer, that would be a lie. I don't have a year to a year and a half to treat you. So that was interesting. Mm. I thought, oh, does he think that it would hmm. be effective over that oh, length of time? interesting. Okay. Not sure. So when we got to questions, I asked him, uh, I really kind of wanted to nail him down on this because I was so excited by him. I was like, not sexually, <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, this guy like is kind of a hope for this field, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I'd like something to be salvaged from alternative medicine. If we could find a way to meet this want and need in people without screwing them over, that would be so great. Right. So he feels like my hope. This is him. But also, I like wanted him to just really say it. Okay, so what's the bullshit then? What are the things that today we should just say, no, that makes no sense. Yeah, you honed in on that. Yeah, you mentioned a question mark on other things. What would you... Yeah, I was like, so what... What treatments would you say, throw them out, those don't make sense? Right. And he said he would put a question mark on B17. He thinks that might be the placebo effect. Not sure. Coffee enemas. Coffee enemas and baking soda, taking baking soda at home. He said pretty much like any home remedy. Yeah. He said like anything that you can do at home other than- Forget about it. Yeah. Other than like eating a good diet and exercising, Mm -hmm. but anything to treat your cancer- is bullshit. Right. He went through a lot of modalities. Again, he was talking pretty fast and talking for a long time. They use hyperthermia there, and he gave its kind of history as a German treatment and uh, and said that we don't really understand much about why it works, but said that they get your body up to 108.5 degrees or for all of you not in the US, 42.5 degrees Celsius. Oh, very good, Ross. That's very nice of you to look up. No, well, that's what he said. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he talked about mistletoe being effective. Uh, Did he say it was? I wrote that down and didn't write down if he said it was effective. Yeah, he said that it has more than 70 years of testing. Also comes from Germany. 
Okay. Uh, talked about selenium and trace minerals, poly MVA. That came up very quickly, but he just kind of uh, discussed it and moved on. And uh, he talked about detoxing the liver and said that, that was one of the reasons like not to bother with the coffee enema because, hey, if I can use other methods to detox the liver, why would I? Uh, use one that doesn't? <laughs> right. Or is not as direct. Yeah, those are some of the other things that he shot out. He also talked about immune support and regulation. He mentioned Chinese herbs, turmeric, vitamin D being really important, Japanese mushrooms, essential fatty acids, probiotics. Uh, so you get a lot of things there at the yeah. hospital. And just to be fair to him, like with vitamin D, for example, he wasn't saying there are studies proving that vitamin D cures your cancer. He just said a lot of the patients who show up here have, have, a, deficiency. A, have a deficiency. So why not give them vitamin D? Which is true. Yeah. I've heard that vitamin D is one of the sensible things to supplement with right. for most people. I, I take vitamin D because my doctor told me to. She took my blood and she said, Carrie, that's not enough vitamin D. That's a good reason to take vitamin D. Thank you. Yeah. So the woman with stage four breast cancer, Eva, she raised her hand and she said, I'm already on this regimen of conventional medicine. If I came here, could I continue that? And he was like, by all means, mm. yes, mm -hmm. yes. If that's working, let's continue and combine. Yes, please. And he seemed like relieved, you know, like that's what we actually want. You know, that's yeah. the best scenario. Yeah. yeah. At this point, I wrote down in my notes, I really, really like this guy. So, uh, yeah, so we were kind of heartened by that. There were, of course, many question marks in our minds of like, okay, but he shot a lot of information at us very quickly, but we liked his reasoning. So this program cost 26000 to $32,000 as a general window. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't give us an exact amount, but that was their estimate. Right. And then for supplements, they recommended going to a place called Pure Encapsulations. They said that's the best supplement provider. Oh, yeah. He, he seemed to be uh, very insistent on getting all the best materials from around the world. But he also said, I have no connection to them it's very important to me that i don't i won't tell you to buy anything that i get a kickback from so that's the one that i like if you like another one fine seems like a real principled guy yeah but carrie huh? guess what what they have 150 beds at the hospital that's a lot of beds how many beds? that's enough for me plus 149 others how many beds would you have if you could have all the beds that you needed just the one okay well, if you want to have the best bed possible, uh -huh. then you might want to go to Casper. <gasps> Casper? Wait. Ona Ross and Carrie is supported in part by Casper Ross. That's right. They're an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. They offer an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. I mean, it's shockingly fair. Right? Right. I mean, it's not super expensive. For example, pricing for a twin size mattress is around 500 bucks. A king size okay. mattress is about 950. But That's this sucker will you last you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll last you a long time. And it is high rated and well loved by many, many people I know. Well, and, and, and you can myself. even try it at no risk and return it if you don't like it. So that won't cost you anything. And it comes in this big box and you pull it out and you unfold, unravel it. It's kind of like in a burrito shape and it takes form and you can hold this box yourself. You don't need big movers. So you can even try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days and get free delivery and painless returns if you uh, if you don't want to keep it after your trial. Plus, these mattresses were made in Trump's America. 
America. But not no, they, not by Donald Trump, just in this great country of ours. No, they were made in Obama's America because that's Trump true. hasn't taken the presidency yet. You're right. Even on January 1st, that's true. Unless you listen a long ways after the publication. Yeah, you're right. You're but right. But they're made in America. That's, that's right. what's important. They're made in Barack Hussein Obama's America. What? <laughs> Thanks, Obama. So you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Oh no, O H N O, and using the promo code O H N O at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. So we got back into our chemical toilet. Uh, <laughs> we climbed back into the toilet, equipped yep, bus, right. and uh, made our way to the next place. And we were so hungry at this mm-hmm. point because that went on for a long time. And <sighs> yeah, now it's like four thirty, and we haven't had a proper lunch. Yeah. It was bad. Oh, my God. Everybody was was complaining. I was so hungry. So uh, Eva was sitting right behind us on the bus. And she was talking to the journalists from Italy. Italy. So I was listening to them. And it was so heartbreaking to hear their conversation. Yeah, we couldn't help but overhear her conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they were literally in the row behind us. She said, I want to try everything I can to save my life. She got her diagnosis at 28. She was told she had six months to live, but that was two years ago. And she was like, I'm hoping my solution is in one of these clinics. And the cameraman said, what are you scared of? And she said, I'm scared of that last moment. And then yeah. she said, I've I've had a lot of death and a lot of loss in my life already. So you'd think, you know, what's another one? But like, I'm just realizing I'm going to be completely alone. And and she said she's not religious and, you know, she doesn't want false hope. And, yeah, it was just heartbreaking. Yeah. She said she was willing to go to Germany or Southeast Asia because I guess there's other kind of alternative cancer treatments there. But she's just tried everything and, you know, yeah. she just wants to try more now because she's gone through the whole gamut. And she said every scan is worse and worse. And she said, I'm just going to keep wearing dresses. Man. Yeah, I have... I, I don't even know what to say to someone in that situation. I know. I know. So my goal is to be cancer-free. I'm already on borrowed time. I mean, cancer-free at stage four where it's metastasized, you know, you can't help but think that's not going to happen. But who knows? Yeah. Um. Yeah, this was like one of the saddest investigations I think we've gone on. Yeah, because we're in a bus where I'd say, yeah, a third of the people are nurses, perhaps a third at least are cancer uh, victims or maybe recent survivors. Or Or family members. Or family members, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people are asking about their parents or other people close to them and kind of shopping it out for them. Can I bring my dad here? Right. What will he be doing? Right. So at this point, we're already running two hours behind. Yep. And Frank gets on his little amp and he says, so we're running behind. We're still working on improving the agenda we handed out to you. Now, when we we developed this agenda, we did it based on the earliest times we've ever arrived at these places. So we're usually actually behind. He's telling us that he is a very bad planner. (laughs) I optimistically scheduled all this out back to back based on the best time we've ever made in the dozens of times we've run this trip. Yeah, what? Why would you do that? Yeah. Maybe the average, maybe even slightly the slower time to allow more freedom. No. What? 
we're going to try to update it once we get a young person who's familiar with computers. <laughs> <laughs> That's ageist. Uh, but also, I just want to be like, I'll do it. Like, it's updating a document. Like, <laughs> I got it. Maybe I should email him. Yeah. I'll update your document. You My need mom help. will update your document if you want. <laughs> so we ended up at our third location, the Oasis of Hope. Which turns out it was like close to our first location, but somehow it made more sense for us to go far away and then come back. Frank. (laughs) Frank, we should have gone there next. (laughs) At this point on our journey, I admitted something to you, something I had been keeping from you. (laughs) Do you want to share the story with everybody? Yes, I do. With the whole world? Yes. Okay. Because it was so painful. Oh, Early in the day, Ross, Mm -hmm. I brought a jug of coffee from back home. A to-go container, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, she was carrying this coffee. Yeah, some of it had spilled on the ground because you stopped drinking it before you were finished with it. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you because I was so horrified I didn't want to speak <laughs> the words, Ross, but the reason I stopped drinking it was that as I approached the bottom of the coffee, uh, I was taking a sip and I felt something in my mouth and it felt like paper. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, what's in my mouth? What is that? Did I somehow get like a wrapper in my mouth and it was kind of crunchy and oh. yeah. <laughs> and I pulled it out, Ross. Oh. And it was probably a three quarters inch German cockroach. Oh, so gross. Dead. Oh, so gross. In my mouth. Ooh, poor Carrie. That I, was disgusting. I quietly... And horrified, put it under my seat like a wad of gum, closed my coffee, and put my coffee in your knapsack where it then spilled. (laughs) Good story. So yeah, like halfway through this day, I was probably like, Ross, I need to tell you something that I've been hiding all day. I ate a bug. (laughs) Yeah, she confessed to me. And I made all those sounds that you just heard. Because I had been thinking about it all day, but hadn't been able to verbalize it. Because <laughs> it was just too awful to face. Yep. Yeah, no, for good reason. It That's awful. too disgusting. That is disgusting. Well, so. Anyway. Then we arrived at the Oasis of Hope. Hey. That was our third stop. Over closer to the ocean mm-hmm. in Tijuana. And now it's like, what, 5 p.m.? Later? Yeah, it's getting dark. Yeah, it's dark. Very quickly. Yeah, it's dark now. We get there and... Frank's like, I have good news. You guys are going to eat here. And we're like, oh, thank God. Everyone is so hungry. Oh, yeah. And sure enough, they uh, we came in. Nice looking facility. Pretty fancy. And and, and you know what was great huh. is that I had asked beforehand, will there be vegetarian options? You picked the right tour for this. Holy moly. Pretty much everything we encountered was vegetarian. Well, everything we encountered was vegetarian. Everything was vegetarian and most of it was vegan. There were salmon rolls at the fourth place. but Oh, well, we're there. Okay. So it- at this at this place at Oasis of Hope. It's kind of a big deal there. Almost almost exclusively vegetarian. Yeah, an almost exclusively vegan program, except that I guess once a week they have fish. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, yeah, we get in there and they've got food laid out for us. And we're like, oh, finally. And uh, it was good. It was this pasta Mm -hmm. and these little bread rolls that had like jalapeno baked into them or something. And had quinoa inside. Yeah, which usually would sound terrible to me, but it was delicious. I wasn't that into 
into those. I gave you part of mine. Cool. And it had a salad, and they gave us some fresh lemonade. Mm-hmm. This is fancy. Uh, this was kind of funny. There were people sitting at our table who had coffee, and I was like, ooh, maybe there's coffee around. And I asked the waiter guy, do you know how they got their coffee? And he's like, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. It's like very obvious they got it here, and I was like, okay. But then he went and got it. Did you ask them? No. We're too far away. It would have been very awkward. But he went and got me some coffee. Uh, He redeemed their hot drink rating. Yeah, it was very sweet. But they only had stevia there, and I made the mistake of putting the stevia in my coffee, and stevia is so gross, and it ruined it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, stevia is so gross. You don't like stevia? No, do you like it? I mean, I've only had it in a few contexts, but it seemed fine. <gasps> it's got that like chemical sweet property that I just uh, like, can't okay. handle. Like sweet and low. It's just like ugh, cloyingly sweet. So while we were eating, uh, they decided this was a good time just to kind of give us information about the hospital. And originally, I think they were planning to have uh, Dr. Contreras, he was the uh, the main doctor of the Oasis of Hope, come in and talk to us. But I think he was over in Italy for some reason. Ah. So we got, I can't remember his name, but he was like the grandson of the founder and like the current operations manager of Oasis of Hope. Right. So he gave just a little, a very short spiel about what their program is and then took questions almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the real emphasis for him seemed to be on kind of their primacy as being sort of the first cancer clinic in Tijuana. And he said, oh, you won't hear us mentioning any modalities that you don't see anywhere else because, frankly, we were the first to do them. And that was a clear point of pride for him that his grandfather had been the one to start this. And then he mentioned some other clinics that had just kind of spun off from doctors who used to work at the Oasis of Hope. Yeah, and tried to make this seem friendly, but it did not come off friendly. Clearly this competitive thing like, oh, those jerks left and took our secrets with them. Yeah, he was like, I know that later you're going to hope for cancer. And I always joke with him that, oh, you even had to put hope in your name. Ha ha ha, (laughs) we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, we're better because we're first. Yeah, yeah, he talked about vitamin C, ozone hyperthermia, dendritic cell therapy, but it seemed like he really focused mostly on the community aspect of Oasis of Hope, that uh, we've got this group learning room, and we have a pastor on staff with devotions every day. And you don't have to be Christian to go here. Yeah, we're not here to... It felt like that implied, but it helps. Right. We're, We're not here to evangelize. We're just here to share the love. That's what he said. He said, and we give all of our people a break over the weekend, so Saturdays and Sundays, but on Sunday, we do have a church service, yeah, like a prayer meeting and everything. Yeah. Cool. Um, and we were at the table with Eva, yeah. and she was saying, oh, that's, that's points against. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't want to be evangelized to. And there were Bible verses all over the place, everywhere. There's little plaques yeah. and framed scripture. Which is cool if that's what you want. But yeah, like, uh, just be real about this. Like, that's sure. what you are. So I asked him he kept saying plant-based and i know that is sort of code for vegan right so sure. i was like so you said plant-based does that mean like your program is vegan he was like well it's not completely vegan <laughs> one day a week we have fish oh okay you must have said it in such a way that he's like oh she doesn't want it to be vegan oh maybe <laughs> they even teach you to grow vegetables there yeah and they said they have locally sourced food it's another three-week program they said at one point they even tried turning it into a four-week program but 
they just found it was unproductive at that point. People were just homesick. And so you are there for the three weeks. And it sounds like you spend a lot of your time like in all these little classes, growing vegetables, learning how to cook. They have like a life coach that meets with you and art classes. And it really sounded like it's just a camp. Yeah, right. A (laughs) camp experience. Yeah, that sounds kind of great. He said 90% of the people who come there are English speakers. Mm -hmm. You know, he kept kind of trying to squeeze in the Bible thing as if we almost wouldn't notice it was happening. He said, and you know, the Bible has a lot of teaching on healing and nutrition. You know, even rabbis used to have pomegranates on their (laughs) vestments. Cool. Okay. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one thing that you noticed, Ross... The woman, Eva, she had cupping marks all up and down her back. Yes, she did. Yeah, so she had had fire cupping marks. We tried that. Yep. Listen to our listen cupping to... episode. Yep, it hurt. Yeah, he said that a, a lot of wealthy people from Mexico who even live nearby, yes. they go to the U.S. for their treatment. But he said wealthy people from the U.S. come down here to get their right. cancer treatment. So it's right. always greener on the other side. Yeah. Um, I would like to see those actual figures. Sure. So then we kind of went, we ate our food and we went on a tour of the facility. We broke into two groups. I'd say they did the best job of showing us around the actual place. Facility, yeah. Yeah, letting us see what you'd be getting into. We got to see the room where people stayed. And this kind of creepy uh, room where people sit in all these reclining chairs with like IV stands next to them and I guess have the main Sunday services. Yeah, that room really gave me It was a little depressing. I mean, obviously, you can't dress up a room full of IVs to be a party room, but the room itself just gave me the creeps there was there was a stage on it clearly for like worship service or something mm-hmm. there was a lectern and a guitar on behind it. it instead of windows there were kind of cutouts for windows and then like um translucent pictures of the outside oh interesting yeah just i don't, I don't know even it was like kind of uncanny and weird but granted it was a uh, nighttime and I imagine uh, everything would have looked yeah. a little better in the daytime. Yeah, but, that might be true. But it was a nice facility architecturally. Everything mm-hmm. felt very modern. And at that point, I was thinking, oh, you know what? This is the fanciest facility we've seen and in the those in- terms. The individual rooms that you stay in where you might be by yourself or you might have a roommate were actually really sizable and really nice. Yeah. It was bigger than a normal hospital room, I'd say. There was a map on the wall where people would put pins from where they were from and it was definitely an international clientele. People from all over the world had stayed there. And then I pointed out like, oh, uh, there's a pin in Antarctica. And he he said- <laughs> Wiseacre. He said, yeah, you know, we looked it up and there were only like six people in Antarctica. So we were wondering if it, if like one <laughs> of them Someone from McMurdo <laughs> Station. <laughs> like, oh, they might just be playing with you, but okay. also you can bring a companion to stay with you at this facility the whole time if you want or a companion cube what it's from portal oh god ross (laughs) (laughs) there's Um, a lot of portal fans out there who will appreciate sure sure and then i'll get all the tweets because you don't have twitter (laughs) they'll all tweet at me and be like tell ross it's all part of my plan (laughs) yeah so your companion can come and stay with you in your room and then go with you to all of the devotionals and all of the treatments i mean that all sounds really nice yeah, yeah, they were very open to having family come in and participate at no additional cost. In that one room, you also do your IPT if you're doing it. You can do ozone and hyperthermia treatments there. And they alluded to other spaces, but I yeah, guess... Yeah, we didn't see all of yeah, them. Yeah, we didn't get to see them all. 
And someone said, well, how much free time do you have? And it was actually not a lot of free time. It felt like pretty structured. I mean, not that, I mean, if you're going there, sure, use up all my time treating my cancer. Of course, yeah. But yeah, it seems like, I think it was like every night after 8 p.m. or something, you have free time. That's a full day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Eva was that impressed with it, gotta say. Yeah. I know that when we got back on the bus, there were a few people who were like, eh for me yeah i heard one lady i don't think it was eva i think it was an older woman saying they just seemed like too dogmatic with both the vegan thing and the christian thing mm, right fair enough so we piled back onto the bus and headed over to our fourth and final location and it even had a four in the title hope for cancer yeah with the number four now of all the facilities this one felt the least professional from an aesthetic Point. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it looked kind of dumpy <laughs> yeah. on the outside like and sort down. of on the inside. Yeah, well, even on the inside, I just kept thinking like, gosh, there are people here who are really sick and weak and there are so many stairs. Yeah, it was all very narrow and built on top of itself. And so, yeah, you walk into this narrow lobby and then you see a bunch of people kind of sadly sitting hooked up to things. Uh, in front of you, but then you go up the staircase and now you're up where we had our main kind of meal and mm-hmm. presentation and then there's a patio out there. But yeah, it just doesn't feel that expansive. Mm-hmm. But okay, so we've just had dinner. We're yes. finally in a good mood because we're not hungry. <laughs> we get there and what's there for us? I Ross? mentioned a meal. Yeah, now they've got food for us. So, oh, a second dinner. This is technically our dinner since we just had a very late lunch. I mean, there's literally like, what, a 25 minute drive between these but two it, places? But every single one of us were like, sure, I'll eat more. Well, I mean, partly out of peer pressure, I think. Really? Oh, I was happy to eat more. Okay. Then again, I eat a lot. This clinic pissed us off the most. Oh, screw this clinic. Seriously. (laughs) I've I've tipped my hand here, but this was the the quackiest of the quacks. Oh my God. It was, I don't know if infuriating is too strong a term, but it was very angering. It's not too strong a term. It's run by this guy named Antonio Jimenez. And people seemed kind of excited to see him. Because mm-hmm. I guess he is part of this docu-series called... Yeah, he said, some of you may recognize me from, what tr- was it? The Truth About Cancer. And they're like, yeah. I've, yeah, a bunch of people I've did. seen it. I've read your book, whatever it was. Right. So yeah, he's kind of uh, got a little cult following. He said that 70% of patients come there after seeing him on The Truth About Cancer. Wow. Whoa. That's how effective that kind of thing can be. That's yeah. amazing. So he starts giving us this little slideshow presentation. Yeah, I'll give them that. They had the best visuals and presentation of any of the places we went to. Really, all the other ones were just someone talking to us. Yeah. But he had this really polished slideshow that he gave That's us. That's true. So the first thing he told us was that, can you believe that in Scandinavia, cancer is surpassing heart disease in deaths? And everyone gasped. <laughs> something has to surpass something else. Yeah. As, Without data, this means nothing. And also, as we cure other diseases, people live longer and are more uh-huh. likely to have something else come. And what better than cancer? Right. But also, if we were at a heart disease seminar and someone said, Did you know in Scandinavia, heart disease has just surpassed cancer and the number of deaths? You know, everyone might <gasps> in that room. And the fact that you have to pick one region out of dozens that says something like, why are you being so selective right, with your data? Right. Why are you telling us about Scandinavia? I did like he led with this little comic and it showed a, a doctor talking to this patient, said, we found a mass. The good news is 
we have weapons of mass destruction. Uh, clever. Clap, 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 and that was clap, his clap, little clap, uh, clap, clap, knock clap. against chemo. I had to admit. Okay, that's clever. Cute. Uh, it certainly is a pun. But yeah, he had a, a chart to show the top mortality causes in the U.S. And sure enough, heart disease, 32%, but cancer right up there, 30%. There you go. I mean, but we're all dying of some things, so something's going to be at the top of that list. Eventually, something's got to give, because we do all die. Yep. Oh, yeah, and he led with the thing that led us both scratching our heads, and I think you took it more uh-huh. seriously than I did. And I turned out to be the winner for doing Yeah, you so. were right, yeah, and I just assumed he couldn't <laughs> possibly be serious, but he told us that cancer is intelligent, that people will tell you that cancer is just this mindless thing that just replicates, but really, it has a mind of its own, and it has an intent, and you have to deal with that. It's a very intelligent process, and I thought, okay, that that's a metaphor, right? He doesn't mean that literally, does he? But as the talk went on, I started to think, oh, you mean this literally, yeah, and I, I took a picture of all of his slides, so uh, I'll have to share those on Facebook. But This comes to a head near the end, but we'll get there. But I like that as he's saying in the slide that you know they're not mindless replicators. It says, this is far from the truth, and modern science is proving it. <laughs> is proving it. Yeah, okay. So we talked about how cancer cells can gang up with non-cancer cells. Right. and They recruit uh, the other cells in your body to become cancer with them. Again, yeah, using this very intentional language, right. imputing intelligence which to is, these things. Which is, let me be clear, fine if you're using a metaphor. Yeah. Like, right. that's fine. That's how language works. But it works. just started to feel like... We talk about agency. Yeah, like you're... Yeah, and you Wait, were more you attuned to that at the time than I was. I still thought he's like, oh, okay, you're just saying it's intelligent. Uh-huh. And he was talking about then cancer stem cells and how uh, they're a small percentage of the tumor, but they can regrow. They're resistant to treatment, and they thrive in low oxygen conditions. So they are the real problem starters, these stem cells. He said only cancer. 5% of cancers are caused by genes. That was interesting. Okay. I don't know if that's true, but okay. I don't trust it because he mm-hmm. said it. <laughs> And then he said, who knows about Dr. Lorraine Day? And this one guy waves oh, his arm. Oh, he was so proud of himself. He knows about Lorraine Day. Boy, does he know about her. And so the doctor's like, okay, you know about her. And guy waving his hand is like, I read her book. I know all about her. Yeah, I think he okay. chimed up earlier in the day. Okay. He was the kind of guy like, I want to demonstrate to everybody that I know things. Right. <laughs> it was funny. There were all these program responses. There was this one lady who every time had to ask everybody about toxic mold. What would you do with toxic mold? Oh, that's mold? right. Strange. Okay. Yeah. thought we were talking about cancer, but all right. <laughs> and then there was another woman that always had her iPhone up and she was busy recording everything. And so she would put it in front of her face, point it at the person and ask from behind the camera, is it okay if I record this and put it on Facebook? And they, and they, almost every time they're like, well, it appears you already are and that's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they, again, they were all opened about recording in general. That was the constant refrain. And then you and I always had some skeptical questions. <laughs> but the reason he brought up Lorraine Day was because he wanted to give us this quote. Lack of chemo didn't cause my cancer, so how will it fix it? Oh. Ah. You know what, Ross? I was just thinking about this. Lack of a cast didn't cause my broken arm, (laughs) so how will it fix it? How's a cast going to fix my broken arm? (laughs) Yeah. Did you think about that? No, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, God. And then he said, oh, yeah, these people who just like... Worry about genes all the time. The Angelina Jolies of the world are giving the worst example. No. God. For anyone who doesn't know, Angelina Jolie saw that she had the genetic markers that very likely could result in breast cancer. And so she preemptively had a mastectomy. Mm -hmm. 
And maybe that's not for everybody, but she was in a position where she could make that choice. Yeah. And that's a-okay. She did it with her doctor's consent and advice. Yeah. Bizarre and invasive thing to say. So he started telling us about his particular treatments. Yes. So he had a few that were like really his wheelhouse. There's <laughs> sono photodynamic therapy. So the sono is sound. Sound. And the photo is light. Light. And oh man, dynamic movement. He held up like a, a light to his hand. He's like, See, you can't see the light through that. And I'm like, Oh, very good. And what does that mean? He said, Well, sound that can travel. See, and then he like talked into his hand. See, if I talk behind my hand, you can still hear it. So we use sound and light because they have different abilities to pass through the body. Okay. Okay. And yes, yeah, so this is their proprietary thing. Again, what Dr. Prezid warned us about. Right. Uh, you know, people with their own proprietary solutions. You can only get here. So the idea is that you ingest the sensitizer. It goes into your body, gets absorbed in the cancer cells. Who knows how, but it uh -huh. does. And then they activate the sensitizer with light or sound. And that produces reactive oxygen species. <laughs> I don't know what that means. And then they destroy the cancer cells, and that triggers the immune system and reduces blood supply to the tumor. This is utter nonsense. Non-toxic cancer therapies, it says. Total nonsense. That makes no sense. I don't believe it. And then his other big thing he was brought up was Rigver virotherapy. Rigver. Oh, that was so annoying. He said, this is a virus that occurs naturally that kills cancer. Yeah, and it just made it sound like, oh, it'll handle any cancer. He said, except melanoma. Oh, did he say that? Okay. Yeah. And then sonophotodynamic therapy, he said, doesn't work on leukemia or brain tumors. Sure. Why not? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the whole idea with Rigver is they find this miraculous virus that just kills all cancers, and they put it into the body. It ignores the normal cells, but it finds the cancer cells and replicates inside of them and then explodes. He's got these graphics showing you all these little Rigver viruses blowing up the cancer cell, which is red not green like a good cell. And uh, and then it heightens immune awareness. So I asked him later, I said, hey, well, where did you find this naturally occurring rig for? You're saying you didn't create it yourself. He said, oh, well, you find it in the guts of 11 to 14 year olds. Oh, what? <laughs> Is it in their poop? Or are you ripping their guts out? What are you doing? <laughs> Tell yeah. us more. Yeah, yeah. Do you stick a big needle in their guts? Or, yeah. Or uh, you let them poop it out? I don't know. How are you getting this? Yeah, I don't believe it. <laughs> Which yeah. I think you said to him at some point. Uh, yeah, that was on something else. So he you said, drew daggers from the room. You're like, <laughs> I, I don't really, know if I believe that. I really did. So he's saying like, Rigver can work on like any type of cancer, right? I mean, it doesn't differentiate between different types. And I as said, if that would be silly, right? And I said, I don't know that I buy that. And like every head in the room turned and looked at me like, fuck you, get out of here. And he said, okay, tell me why. And I said, okay, well, my understanding is that cancer is an umbrella term for a bunch of different diseases. So I can imagine that there's a virus that might attack one type of cancer and mm -hmm. not another. Because they're totally different. Right. I didn't write down his response. It must have been unsatisfactory. I, I can only wonder then why it doesn't help with melanoma. Right. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. And, and this guy was just, you know, he was a smooth salesman and uh, had a great presentation, but it just seemed like he was throwing everything into this. Everything we'd heard all day was included in this, and it was like exactly what Dr. Perez had warned us about. And so he was uh, saying, oh, yeah, we do coffee enemas, and we do this, and we do that. And they just had everything, and it sounded like that was kind of their their solution was just to do every single thing to your body. Right. Throw in the kitchen sink. And then he actually said, I use Rigver myself preventatively. And then he said, now there are no long-term studies on Rigver, but I don't need long-term studies. I know what it does. Right. Yeah. What? He was like proud You're of the fact. You're a doctor. He was proud of the fact that it didn't have the support of studies and then tried to say that that would be pointless. Oh my God. You are a doctor of medicine. What are you doing right now? They also use hyper thermia there uh oh juicing and, yes juicing. juicing is the best way to cleanse the oh, blood he, he recommended taking out fillings uh like if you had mercury oh, fillings right. in your teeth which is more likely to expose you to mercury than just leaving them in place oh is that true yeah yeah i guess that makes sense he was selling various supplements and he had one that pissed me off it was this immune power and he showed this graphic of africa Showing AIDS prevalence in Africa and then showed this boy with these lesions in his mouth. And then three weeks later, assuming he had taken immune powder and, oh, look, his mouth looks perfect now. Also. And I was like, screw you, buddy. Screw you. Exploitative dick. But also, if this child has AIDS, then my body is functioning the opposite of the way his is. I don't want to treat my body like a body that is functioning the way an AIDS body does, where the immune system is attacking itself and I need to suppress my immune system. Oh, but this is all natural, Carrie. (laughs) Oh, okay. I didn't realize it's all natural. That's all fine. Sure, it's all fine. He also had this whole idea about like faking out the body and saying that you need to change diets constantly. Oh, right. And so... Oh, this was... Oh, my God. This could make a person go crazy. But it almost makes a certain kind of sense because he was saying, essentially, like, you hear all these stories from people who try a certain diet and then they say, oh, yeah, it worked. But then after time, the body gets used to it. That's his whole idea. And so you need to... Fake it keep out. it Ma- guessing. Yeah, make it keep working over time to try to, to help you out. So you had the hope for cancer diet, and then you had to go into the ketogenic diet, and then the paleo diet, and then the vegetarian diet, and then the raw diet. And then he wrote culturally adapted. I'm not sure what that means. And then you go back and do it all I over I think culturally again. adapted is like the standard American diet. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense if you're like trying to lose weight or something. You're trying to get one step ahead of your metabolism. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what he was talking about. He's talking about cancer. Yeah. Well, the whole idea was to keep the cancer guessing because it's yeah. intelligent. <laughs> so so Carrie was asking God. her question. And she leaned over to me and said, okay, well, I, I probably only get this one question. So can you ask him about the intelligence of cells if he really meant that? Like if that's literal or metaphorical? I and- got in two questions. I asked him about the rig virus, where it came from. And yeah, and yeah. You is said it real? you were like, oh, I, I think it's a metaphor. Yeah, I, he doesn't really mean it's intelligent. Yeah. And so I even kind of asked it like that, like, oh, so were were you saying that uh, that they're actually intelligent, or just that they they behave in ways that kind of uh, bespeak a certain intelligence? He's like, oh no, they're actually thinking, and it literally has intelligence. Yeah, and it it is planning and plotting, you know, its way to uh, take over your body, and you need to stop it. And huh. there's just like silence from you and I as we just sort of nod and absorb this. And we're like, oh, okay. Okay. So there you have it. He said, it was once said that a negative thought will kill you faster than a bad germ. Oh, was, was that once said? Was that said once? 
Oh, okay. Let's keep it to once. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Um, And he personally cured a guy of esophageal cancer by teaching him not to worry. He's using the word cure, Carrie, and he's not supposed to use the word cure. That's true. Um, Dr. Perez told me so. teaching someone to not to worry, probably not going to do it. I mean, Christopher Hitchens, the great writer, had esophageal cancer. I don't think of that guy as much of a worry wart. Mm, Indeed. Still died. It ends with a a lovely little photo of a sunset that says, God says in Exodus 15, 26, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Yeah, he did actually take a kind of informal poll at one time, and he was like, how many of us believe in a higher power? Right. All of us, right? Great. (laughs) And and actually, I was surprised at how few people raised their hands. It was really only like half, maybe 60% Mm -hmm. of the room. I was like, hey, okay. Yeah, but he still just took for granted, like, yeah, all of us got it. And then he started saying stuff about God and the Garden of Eden and how God said to eat of the garden. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was this weird kind of theology creeping in. And then he said, like, you know, Bible experts have actually told me that I'm right about <laughs> diet. Like Bible experts have actually said like, you know, you're really onto something here. Oh, okay. Also, everybody, have you ever wanted a free video book? Cuz I know I have. I've always thought those two <laughs> things don't make sense together. Well, you can get a free video book if you text hope for cancer to 587-317-6099. And this is the one yet. time they don't use the number 4. They actually spell it <laughs> out hope for cancer. <laughs> Everywhere else, the URL, the name of the establishment, it's just the number 4. <sighs> Oh, that guy. Oh, my goodness. We were mad at him. So there was also um, a family there who were there on behalf of the man of the family. It was his his wife and two daughters. Mm-hmm. This young woman said, my dad's 54. He has lung cancer. And we couldn't believe it. He's such a health nut. Like, he's the one who's always been eating right. well our whole lives. And all of a sudden, he's the one who gets cancer. We all can't believe it. And the doctor said, well, you know, 80% of patients here say they've never been sick a day in their lives. Okay, sure. And then I would really look at the emotional cause of his cancer. So he has lung cancer, right? And he hasn't smoked? Okay. So I would ask him, what's taking his breath away? What's making it so he can't breathe emotionally? What? This guy. Also, I think people don't even realize... When they say this kind of thing, how victim blamey that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's terrible. Eva was actually getting excited about all this, though. Oh, because yeah. Because not only did they have this kind of dumpy little location in Tijuana, they had another uh, facility yes. in Cancun. Yeah, much better. And they showed photos of that, and it looked like a resort with you know beautiful waves. And she was saying, oh, cool, well, I can do everything here. And and she was kind of raving about it when we got into the bus afterwards, you know, like, oh, wow. And like, we didn't even get to see the facilities or anything else. We saw very little of that clinic. But she was all excited. Oh, man, I can try anything I want here, and they'll try any modality, and I can go to Cancun. Yeah. I think this is for me. And so she was ready to sign on the dotted line. Yeah, well, I can see why after seeing those Cancun bics with the intelligence thing. After you asked your question, he said, oh, no, it's literal language. It displays social behavior and it thinks. And I kind of interjected and said, do you think it has a brain? And he said, yes. Very tiny brain. No even qualifying language. Just just, yes, yes, it literally has a brain. What? Yeah, this guy was the worst. What? The worst. So you're saying I have parasitic 
little tiny like animals living in my body that are cancer. Thank goodness he has two proprietary tools to defeat this sentient little virus. <laughs> oh. oh my God. When we get back in, into the bus, we're heading back toward the border and Frank's like, okay, now you can't bring any food back into the US, so make sure you empty all your pockets and stuff. And one guy keeps shouting, what about nuts? <laughs> and no one's answering him, so every two minutes, nuts! What about nuts? Are nuts okay? <laughs> Like, we just start getting the giggles over this, and then we start just chiming in. What about nuts? Are nuts okay? That's a good question. Could I bring nuts with me? Are nuts fine? And he didn't, nuts aren't food, are they? He didn't hear that or answer that, but he kept reiterating that fruit, not okay. Yeah, no fruit. No, no food in general, but especially fruit. What about nuts? Yeah, what about nuts? Yeah, what about nuts? <laughs> It was a real good time. We were tired. So <laughs> so we get back to the border, and uh, it really wasn't that difficult getting back into the U.S. No. Nope. I'd Not say, in Obama's America I'd as say, American citizens. Yeah, I'd say even easier than uh, getting to the other side in the morning, which was interesting. I wouldn't say it was easier. No? We didn't have to fill out a form. No, because we were coming back to our home country. But we went through a line, and it kind of helped that we were part of the same tour bus. We mm -hmm. could just say, yeah, we're with that guy. Mm-hmm. And so they let us in, and we got back in the bus. That took a while because the bus had to park off in some weird random spot, so we had to go hike to find them. Yeah, we uh, we drove back home, and they, they started putting on this Hoxie therapy yeah. hoxumentary. Yes. It put me to sleep right away. It was, I watched it. It was shot, I don't know, like... A feels long time ago. A long ago. time ago. The 80s at the most recent. I actually want to say it was like 90 or 91. Really? Oh, right? okay. Well, you saw more of it than I did because I caught up on sleep. I had seen it once before and I don't remember why. Maybe, again, maybe back in the day when I was considering that career path. But, um, oh, no, 1987. Hey, oh. It's about a cancer quack from mm -hmm. Tijuana, or who has a clinic in Tijuana, and his last name's Hoxie, and he's still there in Tijuana. I wish we could have gone to visit him. Yeah. But he's famous for using these salves that you rub on your skin, and they just eat away at your skin and leave a gaping wound. So, yes, if you have... <laughs> You know, a tumor, <sighs> it will probably eat at it that. It will kill that and, and then indiscriminately everything else it at touches. everything else and leave a huge gaping wound. And this is highly dangerous. What's so interesting about the documentary, though, is that they try to position him as like this underdog that, you know, everyone's treating him like some kind of con man and isn't this <laughs> that. But then they show shots of him just like holding up his miracle elixir and waving it about and these headlines <laughs> that are like con man, question mark. And it just... I don't know. I just felt like, don't even put this in, you guys. It's yeah, like, yeah. It really... could have edited that out. You would have made your case a little better. Yeah, it really makes me feel like it really seems to raise the concerns in the other direction. <laughs> but fair of them to put it in, I guess. So I woke up every now and then very uncomfortable. We got back. Uh, we were supposed to have originally left at 7 and gotten back at 11.30. But instead, we left at 7.30-ish and we got back at... I'd say a little after 2 a.m. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. And then the metro was closed and you had to drive me home. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Yeah. It was a long day. So, yeah, a good a good 19 hours we spent with wow. these folks. Yeah. Hey, well, let's celebrate with some high-quality audio entertainment. Okay. Do you know any place I could go to get some? Oh, 
do I? The great questions of your life. The great questions of your life. Should you put ketchup on a hot dog? Put ketchup on a hot dog. Toilet paper. Over or under? Toilet paper. Star Wars, Star Wars or Star Trek? Or Star Trek. Fear not, my friends. Fear not, Mark my and friends. Hal always reach the definitive answer. Simply listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Pacific on Maximum Fun. Fun. We got this. Your better self is right around the corner. Namaste. So, Carrie. Mm. What else is it? Let's rate these uh, cancer clinics that we visited. Okay, first of all. Let's do hot drinks first. Okay. I'm going to give it a thumbs down because you have to put it up your butt. Uh, a thumbs sideways because at least they, they brought you some over at the uh, Oasis of Hope. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the hot drinks uh, are good for the mouth and the belly. <laughs> That's true. But what about on a pseudoscience rating? We're one of something not mm. pseudoscientific. It'd be scientific. Well established. For example, evolution by natural selection. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas There's ton is, pretty much no question about that. And then a 10 would be something not well supported by evidence, might need some more clinical trials. Like a goat sperm is a very good cure for cancer. I don't think that's supported at all, so that's a good example. I'm going to give it a 9. The only reason I'm not going to give it a 10 is just because you've got this mixed bag problem Mm -hmm. where, sure, there's there are some treatments in there that I'm like, this might turn out to work. It's just because of the lack of regulation. There's no no accountability until until it's been reviewed. But I'm almost at a 10. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll say Mm 9.5 simply because of like the attitude toward science pretty much that whole day by everyone we were traveling with. Except that one guy. Yeah, yeah. Except for Dr. Perez. Uh, That was a redeeming factor. And again, uh, I I feel that maybe in between the lines, he was promoting some things that are maybe uh, less secure. But I liked his way of thinking and approaching at least his deference to the data and the scientific process. But elsewhere, I just, oh man, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. As you said, just uh, what what do you say to people who really are at the end of the line? Yeah. Uh, But certainly for people at the front of the line or just getting into this, really would love to see them talk to real medical professionals. Right. uh, And not not be going on a bus to Tijuana. Mm -hmm. Unless maybe you're seeing Dr. Perez and Dr. Perez only. Even then. You know, see a local doctor first. Yeah. And uh, yeah, can't can't warn you guys enough that we are podcasters. This is not our specialty. <laughs> Please do talk to a real medical professional uh, right. about any real issues you have. Yeah, we were just checking this out like anyone else on that bus. And and even for us, I've got to say, like listening to some of these people, I was like, oh, I don't I don't know what's wrong with this. This sounds convincing. It sounds right. pretty good. The way you're presenting it to me, man, yeah. And, uh-huh. and I, I could even feel that, like, at each of the presentations, like, okay, okay. Well, except for the last, the last one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that guy. But uh, everybody else, like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, if I had cancer, like, I'd be like, cool, well, you're doing Give something. Give it a go. Yeah, right. Yeah. What, what could it I hurt? mean, I really think if I ever get cancer, like, I probably will, I'll absolutely get conventional treatment first and exhaust those options. But I'm I'm a trier, right? And so are you. And I right. can totally imagine that once those are exhausted, sure, I'll be the guinea pig to try other stuff. Yeah, I always think so I, when I get, I get prostate that. cancer later on, we're still doing this podcast uh-huh. 50 years yeah, from now. Yeah, we'll get to try all sorts of shit on your balls. <laughs> we'll be like, oh, cool. Everything yeah. people have been claiming all along. Uh, but I, I will, in my own self-interest, go see a real doctor Thank first. Thank you. Because time is essential in these diseases. Yeah, exactly. What about pocket trainer value? 
where one is something not at all pocket draining. Yeah. Your mom sends you a big box of Christmas gifts and inside are a bunch of treats for your doggy, Ella. Oh, I see. You're personalizing this. And Thank you, Carrie's mom. And that's a one. You actually benefit. Woohoo! And cool. then 10 is something incredibly pocket draining to the point of absurdity, Ross. Try me. Okay. Like you pay tens of thousands of dollars for someone to steal a kid's poop and put it in your veins. So, so this is where I, I think another major point comes up with alternative medicine is that people will always say, oh, well, the big pharma, they just want your money. You know, it's a for-profit industry. That's true. They do want your money. And many, but they don't just want your money. Right, right. They want your money in exchange sure. for something that's been shown to have efficacy. And, and yeah, there, there's all kinds of seediness there and bad things to talk about. But the other people want your money too. Yes. And they're giving you something that is not proven to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, for tens of thousands of dollars, you think like, wow, well, a hospital stay for that length of time cost me a lot more even. But what are you getting out of it? Uh, so that's my preface to say 8.2. I think it's very expensive. Uh, it could be more maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe they just found that kind of perfect balance where you know they get the right demand and supply. Um, but definitely that's a lot of money. That's a lot yeah. of people's savings and it's all coming out of pocket. Yeah. Conventional medicine is expensive too. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. It's almost impossible to even compare it to anything. But yeah, I'm like comparing it in my head to even just comparing it to medicine that we know for sure works. That's just so absurdly expensive right now. I do feel like this scale could tip in many different directions depending on how much actually goes into providing the care for you. And yeah. You know what? <sighs> I'm going to call this unanswerable. Yeah, I think it's, it's tough. I, you know what though? Again, it comes down to like regulation. Like this is what we pay the government to do for us is <laughs> figure out does this work such that I should pay for it? Such that we should pay for the research and development for it. Does this work so that people should go and buy it? Like, this is what we want yeah. the FDA to do for us so we know whether things are a scam or not. I mean, I, I literally can't answer this. If it was done in a privatized way by some company that did a really good job of of giving that same kind of information, that would be great too. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't think of anything like that. So yeah. yeah, that's why it's helpful to have an FDA and a CDC and... All these other uh, organizations. So you're right. It's tough. It could slide a lot of ways based on different factors. But I'll I'll say 8.2. I'll say leopard. Cool. Cool. What would you give this on a danger rating? Where one is something not very dangerous. Like you go to Universal Studios and walk along the city walk. See the sights. Buy some Jamba Juice. And go back home. Whereas 10 would be something very dangerous, like getting to Universal Studios and deciding, I want to climb to the top of the Hogwarts Tower. Oh, boy. And you just start climbing, climbing, climbing. And you don't think about how you're going to get down. You bring maybe a grappling hook with you or something just because at some point. But I don't own one, so I probably don't. That's a 10. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, 9.8. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, so danger always means risk, right? And there's just, like, such high risk here. You don't know what you're getting. You don't know if it works. You don't know if it's going to let cancer continue to kill you while you don't get bona fide medicine. That's too much risk. Yeah, you're already in a bad situation to begin with. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll say 10. I, I think so many things that we look into, like where we knock them is when they make claims about cancer. Yep. Because cancer just doesn't have an answer yet. Right. Uh, there's no guaranteed, easy, non-painful way to deal with it. That's awful. And so we should all support cancer research and look forward to the cures that are hopefully to come. In the meantime, we've got chemo and surgery and radiation. So uh, yeah, I'll say 10 because this is people's lives. And when they're trying to make really important decisions uh, that are time critical. I only knocked off that 0.2 because I was thinking of Dr. Perez. All right. I'll give Dr. Perez a, a 0.2. Sure. All right. All 9.8. Right. 9. I'll come join High you. five. High five. What's up? <laughs> hey, it's nice here at 9.8. <laughs> but Carrie. Yep. There's also the creepiness. Oh boy. Factor to account for where one is something not really creepy. Like you look in your old high school yearbook and uh, there you are. It's a picture of you just like you remember being. Okay. Pigtails. I did have pigtails in one high school photo, I'm pretty sure. And a little bit of acne. Okay. Yeah, 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 All right. yeah, 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 yeah. I had major acne in high yeah, school. Yeah, me too. But, you know, it's not creepy. It's uncomfortable. No, no, yeah. Whereas 10 is something very creepy. Oh, no. You find your high school yearbook. Dun, dun, dun. You open it up and you turn to the page where you're supposed to be. Uh-huh. There's an empty frame where you should be and there's no name. Okay. But, but you hear a giggle <gasps> and you flip the page and you see your running form quickly hide behind another page. Wait, what? Was that, was that me? Was that me in high school? You flip the page and you see another picture and there's a group of people. And something moves, your eye draws to the movement. It's you in the dark, in the distance of the photo. And you see yourself looking back at you. And you from the past says, Help me, Carrie. I can't get out of here. <laughs> that's a 10. Yeah, that's really creepy. This is yeah, your best creepiness rating, I think. Thank you. Very good job. Accounting for the creepiness is totally our subjective, like, did I get creeped out there? Right? This is the most subjective of our ratings. Right. The only place I got creeped out was that one place. And I feel like it was pretty incidental too. Yeah, the Oasis of Hope. Yeah. Yeah. We talked afterwards and Carrie's like, that was so creepy, wasn't it? I was like, oh, that was kind of nice. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, you weren't bothered by it. I could praise God all day there. (laughs) So we went to four places. One place creeped me out. I'm going to be very scientific about this and say 2.5. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if creepiness is necessarily the thing to worry about here. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'll say two. All right. But if you didn't feel creeped out at all, what's the two for? For those little moments that oh, okay. made me feel a little uncomfortable. Okay. And in some of the locales, to be honest, some places were just kind of ramshackle and run down. I guess it's a little creepy to think of cancer living in your body with a brain. That's creepy. There you go. That's a solid two right okay. there. <laughs> that might even be two more. Oh, okay. Say four. Wow. All right. Just making a bad two more joke. Oh. <laughs> Very good. What was your favorite moment, Ross? I would say being at the Hospital Ángeles and learning to slowly like this guy. That at mm. first I just thought it was like, oh, you are such a BS artist. And then like, oh, you have a lot of content to say, actually. Oh, oh, you're actually giving me interesting thoughts. Okay, I like you. Mm-hmm. How about you? I think it might have been the moment of personal satisfaction when I stood up to that last doctor. And was oh, like, yeah. I don't know if I believe that. Because I just felt like... No That's such one... a carry moment, too. <laughs> oh, I'm no. in a crowded room of people. I'm going to mix it up and say, <laughs> I don't like you. I don't believe what you're saying. <laughs> well, 
that's part of it. I do often feel a sense of obligation if I'm like, oh, no one's doing, no one's going to call him on this. Okay. Carrie's going to do it. Nice. <laughs> this happened a lot in grad school. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I took a little personal pride in taking that one for the team that did not want me to take one for the team. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Well, yeah, that was, man, that was a long day. Yeah. But a very interesting experience. And uh, I'm glad we could share that with everybody. Me too. And I think, I really do think this is the perfect moment for us to have happened to have done it. I hope we all learn that the FDA should continue to look at whether medicines work. That's a really important function of the FDA. Indeed. Again, I had a 360 camera going. uh, So look for a fun little documentary where you can put your head kind of uh, close to ours and see what we were looking at. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun. I wanted to also announce a couple other things. If you're in the Los Angeles area, there's an upcoming conference called Logic Cal LA. You get it? Because it's logical and it's uh, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's logical. Logical. And that's the website, logicalla.com. With uh, two L's, logical LA? Yeah. Okay. It, Not like a portmanteau of In Mexico, the logicaya. Sure. Dot com. Very good. I'll be co-presenting a talk called What is Scientific Skepticism with Mr. Brian Dunning from the Skeptoid Podcast. Uh, that's free to the public. On Friday the 13th. Oh, shit. Followed by an anti-superstition well, party. I won't be leaving my house that day. You triskaidekaphobe. <laughs> and uh, then you'll oh, also... I love triscuits. There will also be speakers like Sean Carroll, Elizabeth Loftus, Donald Prothero. Check it out. Well, also, I want to thank Cecily, uh, a listener who helped us out with this investigation. Yes. Thank you, Cecily. I also wanted to give a shout out to Camp Quest North. I happen to be a member of Camp Quest West, uh, but Camp Quest is all over the U.S. And uh, it's a great kids program where you do all of the regular camp things. You go canoeing and hiking and you get away from it all, but you hang out with other people for a week. It's awesome. Great transformative experience. But there's also this great layer of learning and critical thinking. A lot of fun. I have so much fun every year with my son. And uh, so I wanted to promote Camp Quest North, which used to be Camp Quest Minnesota, they're now adding an Iowa location. So if you're anywhere near those, look for that if you've got kids between the ages of 8 and 17. But also, if you would like to help others in making camp more affordable, uh, there's a generosity.com campaign that's starting now and going to the end of May where you can help contribute money and that will go directly towards camperships to make it more affordable. So we'll provide the link on our Facebook page. So take a look at that at facebook.com forward slash onrack and help out if you can. Cool. And you can also support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. You can also help us by leaving positive reviews on Stitcher, on iTunes, wherever it is that you subscribe to our show, uh, just to let other people know, and that'll help them find us. You can also watch Leah Remini's show on Annie. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, everyone should watch it. It's really good. I'm about to read her book for my book club. I'm excited about this. Yeah, so much good stuff happening regarding Scientology right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know who is our producer? What is Ian Kramer, Alex? <laughs> uh, and our theme music is written by Brian Keith Dalton. I'll take that for 500. And remember. Yes, sir. You, you spoke of uh, cancer having intelligence. Yes. And I was wondering if that was just kind of metaphorical language or if you think that there's actually something more than just the action of molecules. No, it's a, it's a literal language. And that was proven in, uh, at the University of Iowa. They found that cancer cells exhibit social behavior. Yes. They're recruiting normal cells, they're learning and adapting. 
They're sharing information. So quite intelligent. Oh, Do you think like they have brains? Yes, almost. love podcasts, comedy, and creativity, and you're looking for some new friends to share them with, why not check out MaxFunCon 2017? MaxFunCon is a chance to get away from it all, spend a weekend laughing, and return inspired to create amazing things. Join us for MaxFunCon in Lake Arrowhead in June, or MaxFunCon East in the Poconos in September, and prepare yourself for one of the best weekends of your life. Tickets are on sale now at MaxFunCon.com. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.